Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, it's semantics. It's not a guitar. It's a cello. It's a cello. Hook them up like dogs. If you're through with your incoherent gibberish. Triton? Have you conquered the great alpha male yet? TNA is my world. Welcome to Planet Jarrett. This is BS. This sucks. I've lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn. Welcome everybody. You've got to be kidding me. Episode number 38. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. On this episode, we're talking about No Surrender 2005 in the month of July 2005. I'm Gary Keating. I'm joined by Liam Jones. Liam, hello. Hello. How are you? Good. See, we've done Patreon stuff, but it's been a long time since we've sat down to record a main show. So how, how, how are you feeling about this? I'm nervous. I'm anxious. I'm unwell <laughs> about this. Are you actually nervous and anxious? Nah. You see, I, like, it's a thing that happens in my brain while I'm making out the show and all the time. Like, oh my god, what if this one's a disaster? What if I'm terrible? And then it usually mm. turns out fine, but it is, like, part of my brain just attacking me. You know, except for that one episode. Oh no, which one? You know, that one? What if the people listening are like, oh, I know which one. And then it's like, well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please tell us which episode you think is the one. Uh, that will upset me even more. Then I'll all be <laughs> even more in my head before every episode we record. I've set us up for failure. You have. Now I'm just going to be sad. So my mission is complete. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, <laughs> please follow us on the Patreon. Go subscribe on YouTube. Add Garrett Kidney on Twitter. At the Gleet Muda. You know, getting to making me sad within the first 90 seconds might be a record. <laughs> it might be a record. Usually it takes a little longer. Mm. I've, um, I'm on the top of my game. Mm. So I was, re- I was ready to go. That's what you've been doing for like the, the six weeks we haven't recorded longer. Probably closer <laughs> to two months. You've been like, how can I, how can I break him? Yeah, I've been I've been training. I've been training for this moment. I've been under a waterfall like Goto, preparing myself mentally. Mm. Well, you succeeded, so the show's over. Nice. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. We'll see you in the next one. No, you're talking about TNA for three hours. You can't get out of those. Uh, this uh, it shouldn't be that long. It's not that many. <laughs> it's not that much. It's only ten pages. Uh, tell me how you're doing. Ah, uh, great. Just Good. Tip top bread. Just peak of my life. It doesn't sound sincere, but you know what? I'm going to take it as sincere. Mm, I wouldn't dwell too much on it. Cool. Uh, I'm doing okay, too. Anything strange or interesting happening in your life? <laughs> and anything fun happening in wrestling? No, there's nothing fun in wrestling. Wrestling is dead. Isn't there a New Japan on- show on right now? Yeah, right now Taichi and Shingo are wrestling. Hell yeah. You Do you have it on right now? I don't. I was going to, but that's Patreon content where I feel like I'm allowed to be distracted because these idiots have already paid for it. But 
free to everyone stuff. I feel like I have to be on my A game, you know, I have to be focused. You have to turn it on. Yeah. Mm. You never know who's listening. That's true. Mr. TNA himself could be listening. I've run out of intro stuff, so <laughs> do you want to go straight into the main show? <laughs> No, God no. We're going to put that off as long as possible. All right. You, you come up with a, an intro-related side banter thing. Oh. We should, we should start scripting the side banter. We should start, because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. here are our acceptable, agreed-upon pre-show banter topics where we will talk yeah. about the moon. Let's talk about the moon, baby. Tell me about your thoughts about the moon. I think it's cool. I think it's white and glowy. Big fan of the moon. Do you believe there's secret alien bases on it? On the moon? No. The way you said on the moon suggests you think it's on other planets. Of course. Oh, so you're a Mars alien base guy. Of course. Mars attacks. <laughs> other Mars-based alien content. There aren't that many Mars movies, are there? Mm. So in, like, war propaganda movies, it's always like, it's the Russians, right? Mm. And I feel like the space Russia is Mars. Where they're always like, ah, oh, it's coming from Mars. But when you watch... Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, the Decepticons are on the moon. Mm. That's how they found them. Maybe they're deceiving us, and they're actually on Mars. Uh, What if the super Decepticons are on Mars? It would make sense. I saw a viral clip yesterday from the new Transformers movie. Mm. Which one was... I saw a clip from the Transformers movie today. I don't know which one it was, but that's a fun coincidence. Was it the one about there being no cuts? No. So there was this dude who posted... I'm going to assume it's a dude. It's always dudes. I posted a video. all right. (laughs) Of like 14 seconds of pure CG. And like, it's it's a quote-unquote continuous shot. And they're like, look at this continuous shot. Michael Bay era over. (laughs) And it's the fucking ugliest shit you'll ever see in your life. Bring Michael Bay back. It's so hideous looking. It looks like a bad mobile game. And I'm like, one, how, what, what has gone wrong? And two, why do you like this? I don't know. I think it's just a, a point that he has chosen to stand behind so he can be different and unique. Do you have any of those? Nah, all of mine are right. So, oh, fair enough. you know, I've, I've never said anything incorrect in my life. That's true. We have a lot of audio. And if you go through all of it, we've never been wrong. No, nah, there's not a single instance. You're a Transformers guy? Nah. I feel like maybe it's the Michael Bay movies. Are there like a new generation of Transformers guys? I don't know. Maybe kids who got like the toys growing up. But like that's where I think most of the Transformers love comes from, which is like 80s kids growing up with the toys. Yeah, but I'm still saying like, I think there's probably modern kids who got Transformers stuff growing up Mm. that like became fans through that. But I don't know. That's about it to me. Um, I watched them as a kid. Oh, what did you watch? The, like, the Michael Bay stuff. Ah, so Shia LaBeouf is your favorite actor. Yeah. I honestly think that Megan Fox in that first movie may have been the first titillation my young mind had ever seen. Ooh. There's a good chance. You're like, ooh. I was like, (laughs) what is this? As she's leaning seductively over a car, washing it. You're like, that is a woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And what a car. (laughs) (laughs) It was the car that titillated you, Yeah. (laughs) It was in that moment you discovered a very particular fetish. <laughs> what I wouldn't give to be Megan Fox in that scene is what I said. <laughs> uh, to just lie in the front of that car, watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Sensuously. <laughs> um, we really shouldn't have abandoned the pre-show banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. What else? What else? What do other shows talk about on their pre-show banter? Can we just steal? Uh, food? I think they do food a lot. I don't eat. Well, that's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go through each VOW show. Okay, what do they do at the start? Flagship, it's all about, like, gardening law. Yeah, uh, I've never gardened. Mm, damn it. Have you ever gardened? My grandparents always had quite the garden. Mm. So I would dabble. It's like, even my parents wouldn't really garden. We'd have a very simple garden. Mm. You thought there was a man in your garden the other day. Oh, I didn't. I dreamed there was. I dreamed I looked mm. out my window and there was a dude there and I tried to close my window and then he grabbed it and I got scared and I woke up. <laughs> what did the dude look like? He looked like the kind of like normal, boring guy, but on the boring, creepy side. Mm-hmm. What's the hair situation on, on the on my fella? Grey, slightly receding. Mm. You know they say that every face in your dreams is someone that you've seen? I think that makes sense. Like your brain registered it on a subconscious level? Because yeah, people are always like, how come you can dream about people you've never met? And it's like, pal, you have walked past millions of people yeah. in your life. Millions. And your brain yeah. registers some of them and just stores them back in your mind to scare you in windows with them. Mm. Also, like, you can just pick up, like, an osmosis of a flavor of a person mm. and be like, this is what this person who fits into this characteristic base would look like. Brains are cool. We always get back to dreaming. That's our one. <laughs> mm, big dream, guys. If the voices of any other raw podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network does dreams, that's gimmick infringement and you owe us money. Yeah. And we'll get you kicked off. <laughs> we have that kind of power? Yeah, we have that clout as the fifth most successful Voice of Wrestling podcast. I don't know the numbers, but I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. We're up there. Come on, let's be real. We're up there. Am, am I right, folks? We're up there. Yeah, and if we're not, you can go tell all your friends, and then we'll be further up there. I mean, like, actual friends. I want you to go out into the street with your friends. It's like you're going to the cinema. I want you to hire a cinema out and play our podcast clips on YouTube on the cinema <laughs> with all your friends. The next time you're on a night out, I want you to go person to person in that bar and just talk about the podcast. Maybe play a couple clips. That's good. I like that. Have you ever played a podcast clip to someone? No. Interesting. Have you? No, but people have asked me mm -hmm. and I'm like, no. <laughs> See, not only would I be self-conscious about it, because mm. the idea of somebody listening to something I made while I'm in their presence would deeply upset me. Mm. But I also wouldn't know what to sh show them. Mm -hmm. The Vince Russo compilation. A whole three and a half hours of it? Yeah. So they're like, hey, what's your show? It's like, sit down, pal. Let's settle in. We're in, we're in for a long one. Uh, all right. Before we get into the show, you can go to patreon.com and tnachat.com where you can get can. all of our phenomenal Patreon content. You can too if you want to like, give me some money. I'm going to do it right now. You can head to tnachat.com, patreon.com slash me, where you can get the latest episodes of our Rain Taker show covering 2013 New Japan a decade ago. We most recently covered the big Okada Tanahashi title match from Invasion Attack 2013, which is widely considered one of the best matches ever but liam has five star fear wasn't even i don't think i was even that close was i uh, but i want people to get mad at you and then go listen so that that's yeah a, I, a I had pitch. four and three quarter star fear <laughs> Whoa. go listen and then attack him you can also listen to our pwg show in which the most recent episode was both nights as a bola from 2012 so you can listen to that our watch along of no surrender 2005 which went some places um <laughs> 
That was an odd one. That's also available now, as well as all our previous episodes, including our entire series on the 2010 Monday Night War, our entire series on Rink Hacking, our entire series on Wrestling Society X, our entire series on Global Force Wrestling, of which the preview episode was the last episode on our podcast. All of that is sitting there and more on patreon.com slash kiddingmetnachat.com. You can also get the show notes, which are basically a chapter from a book about a month of TNA history, as well as with the show notes, there's an ad-free episode of the show as well. That's on the one dollars here easy entry level if you'd like just no ads and then you can listen to the sound sweet beautiful sound of my voice patreon.com slash getting me where in the time off we did hit our record number of patrons came slightly back down again but we we did hit <laughs> Didn't a need to put that bit in <laughs> we did hit a, a record number of patrons uh over the, the last couple of weeks so thank you for that and we're also doing our third q a which by the way shocked me that we've already done two but we're doing our third one um but you might not get to ask a question because depending on how this goes, we might just do it after this. <laughs> but if we didn't, go ask a question. There's like 17 questions there, so we have a good amount at the moment. Maybe not 17. I think there is literally 17. If you would like to have your Patreon question answered, head to tnhat.com, patreon.com, slash now. There's a post there. You can reply to that post. If we record it, we'll just answer it in text. Um, so, with that said, let's get into the show. Let's get into July 2005 TNA. How are you feeling about returning to TNA? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the most exciting return, mm. but it wasn't bad either. It was just there. Perfectly serviceable pro wrestling show that existed. And I didn't have much to say about it. And I don't know, like, specifically the TV. I just don't think there's much there going on. But also none of it's bad, so I can't really complain. It's just kind of in a middle malaise. Yeah, so they've switched to taping all four episodes of Impact in one taping at the moment. <laughs> so their taping schedule right now is that they do a pay-per-view... And then they will, I think, either today or the next, or the day after that, come back and tape four episodes of TV. And I think when you watch the TV, there's a little bit of that Ring of Honor taping in the fifth hour of a Dynamite taping feel to it. Yeah. At least the whole crowd's there still. <laughs> That's true. That is a plus. These people have not walked out on the Impact taping. Seeing the last match of an ROH taping is depressing. <laughs> <laughs> With, like, 40% of the people still there? Even, like... That's being generous. Like, the first seven rows are still there, and then it's just empty seats. Mm, poor souls who have to struggle through at the second hour of Ring of Honor, because it's two hours still for inexplicable reasons, despite being taped either end of a dynamite taping that usually also has a rampage. Yeah, I was gonna say, it'd be fine if you just, like, cut out the dark tapings as well. I don't know, I think it's the after rampage part that's really, like, no... Yeah, but if you cut out the dark tapings, you can do the two ROH hours, and then you can do Dynamite and Rampage. No, you can't tape two hours beforehand. Still a lot. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, so there's some of that feel to these episodes of Impact where it's just like, oh yeah, those people have been sitting there for a while, and they're no longer interested. Yeah. But also, like, on this show, it's not exactly... They're not getting a lot either in that fourth episode to really fire them up. Hey, you got a Sean Waltman match. Ooh. Now, to be fair, that's probably better than most of the other stuff, but still. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're very much in a holding pattern because this is the month where it becomes increasingly clear that Spike TV is the destination. Spike TV! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have said that backwards so that you understood me. 
Hmm. It's very funny. So at the start of No Surrender, there did this big artsy video package that had a bunch of hidden messages in it. One of which was TNA is coming to Spike TV, which is technically the official announcement that TNA is coming to Spike TV. To be fair, I don't hate doing something like that. Especially if you're going to announce it, like, soon after. Like, it's a fun little thing that, like, will get some underground buzz. Yeah, and by all accounts, I think it worked. I think, like, forums in particular were popping off about the whole, like, Rhino is here, more are coming kind of thing, which is another one of the messages. They were also, obviously, like, once they say TNA is coming to Spike TV, people worked that out. I wonder if they think people wouldn't work it out. I, I'd imagine they had to think they would, because it's quite obvious that they're running it backwards. It's not like there's a, a real bad code to crack. No. Vince fears Jeff Jarrett. Vince fears Jeff Jarrett is so funny. Because <laughs> mm. it's like, it's such a petty little one. It's not even like the folks up north fear TNA or TNA's taken over and they're scared. I think he's or... talking about Vince Russo. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe he is. But like, Vince fears Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and also, not TNA. Yeah, it's just Jeff. Jeff Jarrett specifically. Bree Woo scare Jeff Vince. Scares Jeff. I did appreciate a little bit of foreshadowing as well when it said someone will get gored tonight. Raven was on the screen. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So yeah, and Raven was the one who got gored. Wow. So they they were dropping hints. But yes, the, the big story is that TNA is in fact coming to Spike TV. It hasn't been officially announced, but it's all but announced at this stage. Well, technically, again, technically it has been officially announced, I guess, given it was in the pay-per-view opening video. But at the moment, TNA is currently still airing on the internet. And as all wrestling broadcasts on the internet, Liam, it just, it went fine. No, no technical problems at all. No, I, I remember watching Ring of Honor on the iPay-per-view and it always worked. Oh, God, I do remember watching Ray of Honor on iPay-Per-View. It was the most, like, upsetting time. Everyone was just angry all the time. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think Go Fight Live ever aired literally anything else. <laughs> they said, this is going to be the thing that we stock our live content with, and we're going to fuck it up every time. Yeah, and I remember, I think it was whatever the final battle that had, like, a 60-minute Tyler Black Austin Aries match. <laughs> and there was, like, a bunch of technical issues, and it was, like, four in the morning, and those dudes went a fucking hour. And I was like, no, stop, stop, no, no. It, like, and also, their problems went for, like, four years. <laughs> mm. Like, they just never got it. And I think a lot of companies never got it, because Gabe's catchphrase became, how's the stream? <laughs> I think, like, we've mostly got it down now. Ironically, the only place that doesn't seem to get it is New Japan in the US. Though their last show went fine. I believe the TV Asahi people did that as one. That's why. So if you think wrestling companies have been disastrous at doing this in times of greater technological advancement, TNA uploading a file to the website apparently, apparently caused great deals of problems in July, well, June 2005. Uh, TNA experienced many server problems during the first week of TNA Impact broadcast being shown exclusively on their website. After a several hour delay on Friday, June 24th, the new Impact broadcast was released on TNA's website, but not easily accessible. TNA created a downloadable file for fans to view the broadcast at their own leisure instead of streaming the broadcast online, which would have resulted in buffering problems from the sheer volume of visitors. But TNA ran into problems because the file was too large to download in a reasonable period of time without interruptions. <laughs> As I was mentioning on the last episode, like they put up a, a full like, here's how to do download uTorrent, here's how 
had to download the file, blah de blah but apparently people didn't have fast enough internet speeds in the year 2005 to download that file particularly quickly, especially when a bunch of people were trying to download it at once, causing strain on the servers. Come on guys, seed it, remember. Yeah, if you again, if you still have that sitting in your your, your U-torrent from 18 years ago, please seed <laughs> it, because you can actually still find the download link for this episode, which is very funny. It's wild to think, like 2005 download times, not great, but probably not the worst. But it's wild to think, one, we were talking about the TNA on demand, which I haven't heard a word about. I assume they've gotten rid of it at this stage, but like an actual streaming service in 2003, which is crazy. And now it's like, here's the, the episode on the internet, download it. It's like, TNA, on the cusp of technology, fair enough, not due to reasons of their choice this time, because they're currently between TV deals, but it's it's fun to see TNA trying to innovate in the field when they're forced to. Well, they always say, like, innovation just comes from struggle, so it makes mm. sense, I guess. What I'm saying is TNA invented the internet. That's what I believe. In a statement released on TNAWrestling.com, Bill Banks said, The TNA staff will be reassessing the situation and consider new options in order to ensure these difficulties won't repeat next week. Our goal is to make Impact easy and accessible for all to watch. We want to thank everybody for their patience. TNA is without television because they're currently waiting for the Spike TV deal to start in October, uh, which they haven't announced. Again, it's not official. But... Bill Banks didn't say that last sentence. <laughs> no, that, that's the end. Of the... It would be funny if that's how they announced it. It's like, guys, we'll be on Spike in October. It's fine. <laughs> you won't have to worry about downloading those episodes he specifically says tentative deal <laughs> you won't have to worry about your XWT ratio it's fine god I would never use such an a, such a, a disgusting service to steal wrestling I don't think I've been on XWT in like six years how do you get wrestling they pay for it all the time no well I pay for it but... well, no, yeah, most, uh, mostly other people pay for it and then I get their <laughs> logins so TNA has continued to produce TV partially, of course, to fulfill international commitments, and then they're finding a way to air it domestically, because they still want to sell some pay-per-views. They still exist. Yeah, why not? Again, the, the TNA deal is imminent. To follow up on the update, to address the problems associated with downloading a TNA Impact off the company's website, TNA reached an agreement with Real.com to stream Impact online. TNAWrestling.com was unable to handle bandwidth requests related to the download. Going to Real.com right now. <laughs> That's a dangerous proposition, but go for it. Uh, of the June 24th episode found exclusively on their website, causing many Ooh. headaches for the web division while also leading to complaints from TNA fans. During that week that followed, TNA reached an agreement with Real.com to deliver future episodes of Impact through Real Player video software for easier streaming of Impact. The July 1 episode apparently went well. The video was not of uh, the same quality as the downloaded file, but people could access it quicker. Should I download Real Player 22 right now? Have you ever used Real Player? No. I don't think anybody has. I'm a VLC boy. Yeah, or the whatever the built-in tools are. No, I'm a VLC boy. For the longest time, I was like, I'm still using Windows Media Player. <laughs> you would. It's the most Garrett thing I've ever heard in my life, actually. Well, it's better than all the new Windows shite. All the new Windows ones are terrible, and Windows Media Player was fine. I wouldn't say good, but I'd say fine. I did enjoy that Windows Media Player when I played music would have the little strobing effects. Oh yeah, and the little bars. up to the songs. Yeah. I miss that. I do miss that. Spotify should have that. Yeah, why doesn't... I was literally about to say, why doesn't Spotify have, like, a option that lets you swap from the album art to the little bars going on, boom, 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 boom. And a bunch of the things where it's like Spotify has video from it. It's like a, a three-second clip on a loop. It's like, I would rather watch the bars, thank you very much. Give me the bars! And I don't want lyrics. I don't want to know what the words are. I want to work I, them out no, for myself. Right. I, I don't mind the lyrics. I need the lyrics. But give me the give me the option for the bars. 
No. Oh. TNA is close to signing a deal with Spike TV to air TNA programming on Saturday nights beginning in the fall season, according to trade journal Multichannel TNA News. TNA Collision. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were actually, they were going to abandon the Impact name, because what's, what's a synonym for Impact? I was going to say, what is an Impact if not a Collision? Uh, as every show follows the one word action phrase naming convention of every wrestling television show. I was going to, like, I've been thinking about that. When are we going to evolve? Uh, no, evolve already happened. Evolve 42. <laughs> What was on Evolve 42? Let's have a look. So, okay. If you're so mad that everyone's like, oomph and slamo for their TNA, for their wrestling TV show. AEW oomph. AEW kapow. What would you call your wrestling TV show then, Liam? I would call it... You've Got To Be Wrestling Me presents... It would be, You've Got To Be Wrestling Me live on ESPN2. It's a catchy name. Yeah. All right, let me read the Evolve 42 results to you. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Santana, I assume Garrett. No! Okay. What? No, okay, they got this wrong, not me. It is it is Santana Garrett, I assume. And unless <laughs> unless uh, Santana of proud and powerful fame was wrestling for the Shine Championship. That would be rad. Uh, Santana versus Andrea. Ethan Page versus Martin Stone. Mm. Ray Horace versus Andrew Everett. Timothy Thatcher versus TJ Perkins. Biff cool. Busick versus Roderick Strong. Oh, he's in the news. Biff Busick? Nah. Davy Richards versus Trevor Lee. He's in the news. Trevor Lee? Uh, Ronan versus the Premier Athlete brand in a street fight for the Open the United Gate Championships. That's one of the best evolved cards ever. That's what I would say. Live from Barnett Park and Gym in Orlando, Florida. Sit there. Is that the one with the, the, the plants? I don't know. It wasn't Boom, and that's the good one. Nah, but the, the, the one that was just the garden center that had some plants there is the best evolved slash FIP venue. Yeah. Well, that's where um Uncle John's friends, mm. which took over wrestling Twitter for like three days. So with WWE moving its programming off of Spike TV, TNA may benefit from a built-in pro wrestling audience on Spike, though, as it would essentially be replacing Velocity. Details of the deal are unknown, nor is it conclusively done, as neither party has confirmed the published report from Multichannel News, who I guess are technically the first people to put their, their flag in the, the, the ground, being like, this is happening. So we were talking on the last episode about how the WGN deal just seemed to randomly fall through all of a sudden. I would imagine it's because this Spike deal started gaining actual traction, which is the reason. They're like, oh my God, they're actually going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So the WGN deal, which would have been the the launch of the 2005 Monday Night Wars, sadly was not to be. And probably not all that sadly. Uh, I wish one day, huh? Bring it back again. Would you like to see an actual like AEW versus WWE head to head war? Well, it wouldn't make any sense now because SmackDown's the main show, so we just have to go live with Rampage an hour earlier. I, I, I don't think Rampage would win. <laughs> it won that one time, thanks to Bunny. It's funny, you know the way Rampage is preempted in random time slots for the last, like, three weeks? Yeah, a bit over the place, yeah. Every time somebody is watching Rampage, it has taken me by surprise. <laughs> I'm like, what? Mm. Why is Rampage on? <laughs> I haven't watched Rampage in a long while. I don't think I've watched more than two episodes of Rampage this year, so... Mm. I feel like after all the moaning, everyone had, like, the exact same breaking point with Rampage for some reason. It's just, like, now is the time where ev- just everyone has stopped watching it. Like, he'll do this thing where, for, like, a month and a half, it'll be be- it'll become some A-Stars show, where randomly mm. they'll be on it every week. Like, it, at the start, it was, like, it was Punks, and then, it, and then Moxley did it, and then, like, Darby did it or something, and then it's, like, now we're back at that stage where there isn't- it isn't someone's show anymore. Whose show would you make it? Well, we don't- <laughs> It's no point in arguing that now we have another A show to worry about instead. 
<laughs> it's gonna be that's gonna be Miro's show. Miro's gonna get Rampage. <laughs> Miro will probably get the Saturday show. So <laughs> all the the Island of Misfit toys, all the people who are whiny and complain, you can go to the Saturday show. And I'm sure they'll all get along. Andrade and CM Punk and Miro. In an online chat this week, Jeff Jarrett stopped just short of confirming TNA is on the brink of announcing a major TV deal. He said, TNA in five years will be very interesting. We just had our three-year anniversary. We've had our critics all along the way. They said we wouldn't last a day. They said we wouldn't last a month. They said we wouldn't last a year. Yeah, but do, do, do the bit. We're on the brink of making some major announcements that will send us to the next level. I hope that we will have a stronger domestic and global presence in five years. And by that time, we will have uh, had enough to establish us very strongly in the wrestling space. A lot can happen in five years, he later added. TNA is about to make some major announcements that will take us to the next level. It's not wrong. He's not wrong, to be fair. Uh, regarding Ring of Honor, he said, Ring of Honor is a promotion, in my opinion. Yep. Done. That's it. That's all he said. <laughs> it's like, Ring of Honor is a wrestling company that happens to exist. That people always say is better than us, and it makes us very upset. That goes for a very niche audience and does it very, very well. A couple guys on the TNA roster enjoy working there, and they have their style of wrestling that caters to their audience. And I don't think it's for everyone. Okay, like... Like, uh, fuck you. Fuck you, Jeff. Like, I don't think good wrestling's for everyone. I say promoting my wrestling show. Yeah, but you want to do your holes and your backdrop suplexes and your Mm -hmm. anaconda vices. And Jeff is like, what if you did guitar shots and run-ins and strokes? Way more interesting. Yeah, you don't want to do holds when you... Which which would the casual fan rather see, Liam? Someone work a hammerlock or someone getting hit with a guitar? You know, you bring a valid point. I know what I would rather see. So, Jeff Jarrett is right. Ring of Honor in the mud. Yep, I changed my mind. He is very diplomatic and he's like, and you know what, they should be commended for marketing that way to the niche nerds while we market to nobody? <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> you know, it's nice of them to have a market. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> regarding the matt lita ed situation jared said i would like to know if they have a threesome sex tape coming out they don't it's also a bit weird jeff he's a hey, hey, I'm a heel. <laughs> he does enough of that on tv this month <laughs> tna is expected to finally have clearance this week the week after no surrender from spike tv to officially announce a tv deal for the fall there was some talk in tna that they'd be able to make the announcement during the pay-per-view which i guess they technically did <laughs> In a roundabout way. What if Mm. that, like, killed the deal? (laughs) I would have to imagine they did that with Spike's permission, right? It would just be very funny. They're like, yeah, you can announce it the week after. And they're like, let's just do it on the show. Yeah, we'd we'd like to slip in a weird backwards Easter egg. But but Spike will never know. Spike are never going to translate it, right? (laughs) Spike will never watch it. That'll never get out. Do you think anyone from Spike watched No Surrender? I'd say so. I would say yes, somebody from Spike. Some poor intern. They're like... You have to watch the wrestling show to make sure it doesn't kill anything. Yeah, it's like, we want to make sure this is appropriate for us. So if you could please just sit there and watch all of No Surrender. This, and, you know, the intern's sitting there drinking 10 beers and like, yeah, bars and moves and wrestling. He's like, yeah, it's rules, <laughs> but on Spike. And that's how they got the TV deal. Yeah, perfect. He's like, yeah, this shit's backwards. What could it mean? <laughs> this is like fiend lore. <laughs> Spike TV intern lore. You were like, you know, it's a, it's a fun idea. It's like, it is basically the exact same thing that feeds into Fiend lore, which is the reason wrestling fans probably absolutely loved it. They should have put it in a backwards QR code, and then it would have been like blowing the internet's mind. No one would have worked out what that was. 
I still don't feel like we need QR codes even today, and yet they still exist. QR codes have taken over as a staple of media. I don't understand it. Like, they're useless. Just say a link. <laughs> like, having a website on there is easier than putting a QR code, and then I have to, like, pause whatever I'm watching, get my phone, put it up. Whereas if you just said, go to tnhad.com, you could just be like, oh, it's tnhad.com. I don't have to pause this podcast to scan a QR code. It's, uh, I can just go to tnhad.com. We should get a QR code. For our audio medium? Yeah, and we'll put it on our posters. No, we'll just describe where the dots are. And All right. Can... Black dot, white dot, white dot, black dot, black dot, white dot, large, black dot, large, black dot, large white one, dot. Small one. No, I'm doing um one by one, so <laughs> they can put it in. Swirly pattern. <laughs> Whoa. How are we getting that? We're going wild with our QR code. One day they'll need to. Red so, dot. <laughs> so Dave, I only included this to kind of dunk on him for being wrong. Um, Spike is putting the show on largely because they're being paid for the time. And those with more knowledge of the deal say it's going to be very difficult to make it work in, a, in building a profitable business model. It is a far worse deal than ECW as ECW was not buying the time, but did have to pay TV production costs. TNA has to do both and has a worse time slot, which WWE hasn't been able to get ratings in since the early days of Confidential. It is believed the announcement would be made sometime after No Surrender, but there is some contractual hold-up reason. We're not aware of exactly why Spike doesn't allow the release of the information until it comes out. But he's, like, very down on the idea that this is a good TV deal, which, like, he's not entirely unfounded on, because they just came off a similar deal on FSN that actually TNA outperformed the ratings expectations, particularly for an afternoon time slot, and FSN never gave him anything. So I think Dave comes in with a similar cynicism here. It's like, they're probably not even going to do WWE numbers, and then their Spike don't want to, like, turn that into a deal where they give money to TNA. And you're wrong, Dave! Like, the, the interesting thing about Spike is, like, Spike was never like, we don't want this thing anymore. Mm. <laughs> like, it was, like, the ratings were never the problem with TNA on Spike, which is interesting. Like, they are always kind of, like, happy with what it was doing. TNA just TNA'd it up at the end. <laughs> so I was like, but, I don't know, Dave's very doom and gloom. Like, a lot. <laughs> mm. Even now. When it comes to TV deals. We finally hit the stage that every podcast hits, where it's actually just becoming about saying, Shut the fuck up, Dave, you were wrong. Yeah, Dave. We're in our something to wrestle with and 83 weeks phase of just being like, reading a thing Dave said. It's like, no. Uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> Didn't happen. And you believe Dave Meltzer? LOL Dave. At, what did Dave say? Whatever the fuck that stupid... <laughs> Twitter account is. Oh, the terrible Dave accountability Twitter that's actually just like, he just said a normal thing and you're getting mad at him. Also, half of it's just, I'm going to plagiarize the content that they put up behind a paywall and post it. It's distressing just how many people have made their personality entirely just getting mad at Dave Meltzer. And also, it's just Dave. <laughs> like, it's just him. Just let him, who cares? Mm. But no, we have to be wrestling accountability. <laughs> It's not at all that he says bad things about the company I like. That's not why I get mad at him at all. That's always why they get mad. Nah, but he did go four and three quarters on Julia Tam, so fuck him. (laughs) 
AJ Styles' NWA title reign lasted only one month because he was never looked at as a long-term champion in the first place by those in power, even by those who love him. Styles won the title because he happened to be Jeff Jarrett's challenger during a month where Dixie Carter took a stand and wanted to assert her authority and have him drop the title. Styles maybe moved back to the X Division and feud with Samoa Joe. Monty Brown was considered for the NWA title win instead of Raven, but the feeling is management is so high on Brown, they didn't want his big title win to come too early before he was ready. Uh, 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 opinion they will hold until he leaves the company. He is seen as a potential franchise player in a year, though. He has a rep for having a great attitude with just enough skepticism to keep everyone around him honest. Fuck you guys. They're like, oh, you know, we, we want to make the Monty title win mean something. We want to make it special. You know when it would have been special? Oh, when, Liam? Like three, four months ago. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, and thing is, I'm like, I also kind of believe that AJ probably wasn't the right guy at mm. that point. But you had plenty of other opportunity. No, I'm firmly AJ was the guy. He's in the middle of the best run of his career. Just go with him. Best run of your career? Just having great matches on pay-per-view every month. The best run of his career? Probably like the best consistent pay-per-view match of his, of his career. Unless you're just being a New Japan fan. You're going to get mad at Dave. Uh, I'm just saying. Like, New Japan exists. <laughs> yeah, fake company. Not real. Even though we'll be covering that on Raintakers like next year. But... <laughs> Fuck your dreams, fuck your life. I'll just put my hand in front of my eyes and be like, not real, <laughs> not real, no! <laughs> la 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 la, AJ Styles, uh, TNA, <laughs> wrestling Sonny Siaki on a TNA weekly pay-per-view. I don't, did he only, did he wrestle Sonny Siaki? I'm sure he did at some point. He probably did, there's no way of knowing. You, 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 I'm gonna research this. <laughs> you gotta look up the AJ Siaki matches. I can't remember yeah. an AJ Siaki match, but I imagine he may, he might have. He wrestled him on NWA Wildside TV. That's not TNA. I know, but it's fun, isn't it? He wrestled the Flying Elvises. Yeah, that was the first match in TNA history. I know, that counts. <laughs> Elvis Siaki counts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, they have never had a single... Yeah, get fucked! <laughs> the one person in the entire company <laughs> I could reach for. And you picked the one dude who's never wrestled AJ one-on-one. They probably have a pretty good match. Siaki would probably still have a job in TNA if he wrestled AJ once. It really, it depends on which uh, which Siaki comes out. Yeah, but he'd throw AJ around. Do you wrestle Jorge in a one-on-one? Or AJ would demand he throw him around. Hey, you wanna you wanna hear a throwback? Sure. AJ Styles versus Crimson Dragon versus Jorge Estrada. Oh, what an era! Crimson Dragon's gear. Can we can we restart? <laughs> <laughs> can we go back? Yeah, can we go back? Uh, these are the days you have nostalgia for. I truly do not. Uh, but the funny thing is, like, they say Monty's a franchise player in a year. Uh, he's actually gone in a year, so. Uh, <sighs> not directly TNA related, but it will be. WWE announced that 15 talents were being released this week. Several more names were expected to be added to that list before, list before the week is over, which I think people say every time there is, like, mass releases, and it's actually never the case. Mm. Like, there is always the, the splurge of releases, and then they're like, oh, more could come at any moment and then they never do <laughs> but like one name gets announced yeah there's like one nxt person who's also cut that you find out about two weeks later who was cut on the same day but just didn't get reported mm. so the people cut mark jindrak kenzo suzuki maven shannon moore let's go name by name and we'll do a thumbs up thumbs down and if you'd want to see them in 2005 tna okay so we start with mark jindrak thumbs down i guess I would say thumbs up. I think he's one of those guys who sneakily could have been good, but because his the majority of his development was like death of WCW, and then he went to WWE, who clearly did not give a shit about him. Uh, any chance he had of developing into anything good just disappeared. So I, I'd give Mark Jindrak a go. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, former TNA star Kenzo Suzuki. Got to bring him back. Uh, depends. Does he have the nice pants? Definitely. Then he can come back. Yes. Maven. Yes. I'd, I'd give Maven a go. I'm surprised they never did. Yeah, bring Maven in. Though he wouldn't have the Tough Enough theme song, and that is a big hit to him. He doesn't have the Tough Enough theme song on the network stuff now. Which is a big hit to him. Yeah. <laughs> the song is great. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it's such a banger. I'm so upset every time I happen to stumble across a Maven match on the network that doesn't have that song. I'm like, what the hell is the point of him even existing without that song? <laughs> Uh, a man who was backstage at either No Surrender or one of the subsequent TV tapings, Shannon Moore. He comes in eventually. He does. Would you have brought him in is the question. In 2005? Mm. Yeah, why not? He's a nice little X Division guy. Yeah, chuck him in the X Division. Akio, Jimmy Yang. Uh, yes. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Gangrel. Nah. You do like one wacky appearance with him. Yeah, have Joe kill him. <laughs> Have Abyss kill him. Yeah, he's. it's like, I am the true spooky monster, and then James Mitchell throws him down a pit of death or something. Mm. Billy Kidman. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm surprised. Again, another one of those, it's like, surely, like, of all the people you brought in from WCW, and then you don't bring in Billy Kidman? Do you, th- do you think, uh, did Billy, like, just stop working after he was released? He did some indie stuff. Uh, I wonder, did he not want to do it? I don't know. Someone ask him. Mm. <laughs> Get him on the show. Uh, Spike Dudley? Yeah, why not? But he came into TNA like hated it, didn't he? Did he hate it? Well, he was only doing like wacky stuff with the, as the, like the third guy in Team 3D. He was never important. Yeah, I, th- I thought I saw an interview where he's like, I hated it. No, oh. Kevin Furtig, Mordecai. No. Nah. No. Yeah, you bringing in Dawn Marie, Liam? I like Dawn Marie. You'd probably find a role for Dawn Marie. Mm. You bringing in Marty Jannetty? Yes. Just so he can tell all his wild stories? 110%. <laughs> Jackie Gator. Yeah, sure. Of the tough enough people here, they brought in Jackie, but not Maven. Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, Charlie Haas. Yeah, why not? He seems like the best wrestler of the bunch. Well, Jimmy Yang is probably the best wrestler. That's got Jimmy Yang's there. Matt Morgan. Mm, would I bring in Matt Morgan to TNA? <laughs> <sighs> no. <laughs> I don't think I would either. Joy Giovanni. What does Joy Giovanni do again? I don't know. Was she the one who, like, banged Teddy Long to death? Maybe. No, that's Don Marie, wasn't it? Hmm. I don't know my mid-2000s WWE stories. We were talking about this yesterday, where we were talking about, like, the, the degree to which we are lore sickles for particular things. Mm-hmm. I was there, I remember. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm saying it for the listeners, Liam. <laughs> Who are not in our DMs. Wait, we were recording? <laughs> <laughs> we're not just having a conversation. Sorry, I'm working out what Joy Giovanni did. But, like, my thing is obviously TNA. But uh, just when I was talking about wrestling in general, you were like, I could beat anybody in a wrestling quiz because I'm a wrestling genius, um, yep. which I think is your exact quote. Yep. And I was like, I don't think I could because even stuff like this that I, I like, I would have watched whatever the fuck Joy Giovanni did. It's like my working memory of it is just gone. She was the on screen girlfriend of the big show. Mm-hmm. This feud included a part on January 13 where Joy was kidnapped and discovered tied and gagged in JBL's limo trunk by Kurt Angle. What? That's a lot of words there. <laughs> why Why did Kurt kidnap her and then put her in JBL's trunk? No, she was discovered by Kurt. Oh, so Kurt's the hero. No, Kurt then bragged about orchestrating the whole thing. <laughs> oh, well then Kurt's not the hero. <laughs> um, Her last appearance was in the... Wait! Gio- Giovanni returned to WWE at WrestleMania 25, making her in-ring debut. I was at that show. <laughs> she-, she was... Like, from 2004 to 2005, she was on the show, but she didn't wrestle until WrestleMania 25. 
when she was in that Divas Battle Royal. Yeah. She was eliminated by the Bella Twins. In which everyone came out at once at the tail end of a Kid Rock concert. I see a picture of it right now. So you didn't know a bunch of people who were even in the match, and then a bunch of people were eliminated before you realized they were even in the match, and then Santina Morella won. Yeah, just a, just what a great company, you know. Uh, WWE.com also reported that the contracts of Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley would not be renewed. Their contracts expire in a few weeks despite a featured spot on the recently aired One Night Stand pay-per-view. The Dudleys. Would you bring those guys in? I would. Good. But I wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> Wouldn't you? They're a great tag team. Yeah, but I've had the last, like, ten years of Bubba in my head. It's hard to get over. They had a very good TNA run. And they're TNA guys as much as anybody else. They do do the fish market street fight. <laughs> uh, Charlie Haas spoke against the creative direction of WWE and he said he is he's looking Ooh. forward to indie wrestling and TNA. Haas appeared uh, <laughs> on In Your Head Radio and said he was released by WWE because creative your head. did not have anything for him. In Zombie. Your Head. Zombie. Um, Haas was shocked to hear that he and his wife Jackie Gator were fired immediately after returning from their honeymoon. Great company of good people. Haas ripped on SmackDown writer Dave Lagana for not knowing enough about the business and for booking the ending of to the storyline involving Don Marie, Jackie, and himself. Haas indicated Paul Heyman had the, the direction of the storyline planned out, but Lagana took over and he had no idea where to go with the ending. That's always the thing. It's like Paul loved me, but this other guy hated. Me. Vince loved me, but this other guy hated me. The famous politician made me feel good about things, and then someone who's not as good as the politics side of wrestling suddenly dropped the ball. Yep. Uh, Haas said WWE needs to develop a new creative to seem soon. Uh, Lord knows that still applies in 2023. Haas said he is able to work independent shows and overseas but cannot work TNA until his 90-day no-compete clause expires. Haas said he would love to work in TNA because they emphasize wrestling. Really? You watch the show? And because he would <laughs> like to work with AJ Styles. He, he's watched AJ Styles matches is what he's watched. Uh, Haas was outspoken against bringing talent from OBW to WWE too soon because creative is too focused on trying to find the next Rock, Austin, or Triple H rather than developing guys. On the topic of OEW, Jim Cornette was also fired this month. That'll have nothing to do with anything, don't worry about it. TNA signed a distribution deal to expand its home video offerings throughout North America. TNA will be partnering with Navarre Corporation to increase distribution of TNA products including pay-per-view DVDs, musical compilations, special feature DVDs, and other TNA products to offer a wider range of retail outlets. I believe you would have seen the Navarre logo if you bought most TNA pay-per-views from this era. Uh, Liam, a Dixie Carter yeah. quote. Oh no. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> we are very excited! <laughs> about the potential of this partnership with Navarra. Said Dixie Carter, president of TNA Entertainment. Their ability to showcase our product to major retailers across North America will bolster the growth of TNA wrestling and expose our brand of professional wrestling to a wider audience, said a different person. (laughs) No, that's still Dixie. (laughs) Oh, cool, great. Uh, Bob Freese, VP, GM, Navarra Entertainment Media stated, Can I do my Bob Freese impression? Oh, sure. We are looking forward (laughs) to working with TNA Entertainment to bring their great lineup of titles to our customers. The product offers a variety of promotional opportunities with our chain, independent and e-tail accounts. Sick. You know, that's probably the reason they struck the deal, that he sounds so similar to Dixie Carter. Mm, mm, that is like, wow, these guys are meant are meant to work together. Mm, so special feature DVDs from AJ Styles, Raven, and Jeff Hardy will hit weird TV retail outlets, as well as all the pay-per-views. Which DVDs were these, do you remember? 
Well, there's the Best of AJ Styles Volume 1. There's a Best of Raven DVD, which I think already came out. There's also a Hardy DVD around this area. So, yeah. Because, like, the Best of AJ one is... What the fuck is the Hardy DVD going to be? Bunch of two-star-ass matches. Yeah, you can watch him wrestle Jeff Jarrett and then watch him fall off things and wrestle Abyss. Some shitty TV match. They should have, like, a bunch of announced matches on the back half of the DVD where they just cut it. (laughs) And it just goes to a black screen. Uh, This is the one Jeff Hardy didn't show up for. It is the Jeff Hardy not showing up compilation. And it's just an hour of a black screen. <laughs> that would be a tremendous bit, to be fair. I think you'd have to do that after he's left the company, though. <laughs> On the topic of the Hardys, Matt Hardy was rumored to appear at the No Surrender pay-per-view, but TNA did not want a WWE contracted wrestler on their show. So this was in the middle of, it was becoming increasingly clear that Matt's indie run during this period was a little stunt before he came back to WWE to build like hype on the indies and then he comes back to WWE with momentum. It was like, everyone realized it's like, he's not accepting dates after a certain date and he just wants to use this little run to build some hype for himself so when he comes back to Raw for his story with Edge, he's hot. People realize that at this point. So TNA are like, we don't really want to let you do that on our show. <laughs> they should bring him in and then have him lose. Well, I'd imagine that would have been a sticking point. But, like, he, I think Matt was open to appearing and wanted to. And I think there, there's even a report once they to TNA were worried he'd show up even though he wasn't supposed to. And <laughs> Matt said at a Ring of Honor show, because he was at a Ring of Honor show the night before, I think it's the one where he wrestled Daniels, which was a weird one because he's wrestling the TNA X Division champion. Mm. But he was like, oh, I'm heading to Orlando for the pay-per-view. And TNA were like, no, you're not. I would have just shown up in the crowd. He should have done that Shane Douglas thing from that one Raw in like 2012. I thought you were going to say the, the Rory McAllister. <laughs> that is cut to a board picture of Matt Hardy. <laughs> WB star Matt Hardy, you blow his return and you're like, he's returning soon. You should put the date that he's like stopped taking <laughs> bookings for on the screen. Yeah, so TNA were mad about that because they didn't want people to think Matt Hardy was... Because they already had their surprise to the baby, it's Rhino. And Who's cooler. We don't want you to think Matt Hardy's going to be there because he's not. Even Which is honestly a little noble because I think a, a sleazier company, and not to say TNA haven't been a sleazy company, but would be like, oh good, people might buy the paper you think Matt's going to be there. Great. Yeah. But they released a statement, TNA Wrestling would like to officially address this rumor Please do it in the voice. Of TNA Wrestling? Yep. TNA Wrestling yes, would like to exactly officially address this rumor as totally false. In an effort to further his own agenda, Hardy told several people last night he would be traveling to Orlando for no surrender. TNA Wrestling would like to let fans know this is not the case and he will not be appearing. <laughs> TNA Wrestling, releasing statements, redefined. <laughs> Matt's name was mentioned during the pre-show to No Surrender when Jeff Jarrett ripped on fans for buying into the Matt Hardy BS. Man, you know, we go back and forth on Jeff a lot, but he is kind of based. It's the second he touches the world title that you're like, no, I would like to not exist anymore in this world. And then he loses the title. It's like, oh, what a lovable mid-card goof. Yeah, that's the thing. He should have just realized that, like, his lot in life is to be this mid-card goof. Beating FTR bold. That's where you're supposed to be. Yeah, taking shots at fans for buying into Matt Hardy's shitty work shoot. Yeah. Uh, Jared translated the excitement about Matt Hardy possibly appearing into anticipation for Rhino's debut. I don't like announcing it. Well, like, if you're going to do it, they officially announced, because, yeah, that in-ring segment with Mike Tanay where he's like, oh, where's Rhino going to be here? And Mike Tanay's like, damn right, he's going to be on the pay-per-view. At least you're selling some pay-per-views off his name. Are you? More than, at least one. I don't think, I don't, <laughs> yeah, Rhino's mum. 
<laughs> she bought the show to see him gore Raven. Yeah. You know, okay, I don't like that they announced Rhino. Mm-hmm. But I will give them credit. They didn't drill it into your fucking head the whole time. So it was still like, oh, he's here, kind of thing at the end. Yeah, and like it was to set up a show running angle where Jarrett was like paranoid about Rhino, but then the swerve is that actually Rhino's on his side. Yeah. So it wasn't just announced it for the sake of it. It was announced it so they could do a little angle. And Rhino's cool. Can we just do like a quick 30 seconds of how cool Rhino is? Oh, and he's like so jacked here and he's in like perfect Rhino shape where he's like that brick shithouse of like just pure muscle and he's the best. Yeah, sweet Digimon theme. We discussed this on the watch along. So this this is the wider audience. This is like the definitive poll of whether Rhino's theme sounds like the Digimon theme. Liam insisted to me that Rhino's TNA theme sounds exactly like <laughs> the original Digimon TV show theme and the uh, the the uh, dubbed version, not the, the 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 original version, I guess. But the the the, the American Digimon theme song. Uh, Liam insists upon it. Um, they sound nothing alike, but I. I, I, I gave him like a nice, like, good job, pal, head pat, so he felt okay about it. Rhino, digivolve into. Who would Rhino digivolve into? Uh, who's like a bigger version of Rhino? Wardlow? Mm, not now. He's got no, got no hair now. Yeah, long hair Wardlow. Mm, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll contemplate this. We'll revisit it later. He could digivolve into 2005 Kenta Kabashi. No officials have said that TNA can use Kobashi as long as he is in between tours, because this is when Kobashi, Kenta, and Marafuji were all over in the US, and there was talk about them doing some TNA, and apparently they wanted to. This is the craziest shit ever. (laughs) This is the craziest shit ever. Who would Kenta Kobashi wrestle in the Impact Zone? Rhino. I mean, that would be a hell of a match. That would fucking rule. Uh, the reason it ultimately didn't happen is because TNA is in the beginnings of a working relationship with New Japan. So there, there was no, nothing on the table for potential Noah wrestlers. Noah's cooler than New Japan at this point. Um, sure. Just give me, like, just run, like, Marafuji and AJ on the impact in the main event. The idea of using Kenta, Marafuji, and Kabashi when they come to the US on their first tour is impossible due to scheduling. Unbreakable TNA's uh, pay-per-view on September 11th is on the same day as the end of a Noah tour, so they couldn't uh, line up the dates there. And obviously their TV tapings the next day. Really funny of history change that it was, like, AJ versus Joe versus Daniels versus Marafuji. <laughs> and Joe Kabashi happened in the impact zone. <laughs> yeah. Where I assume it would have the exact same atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, all the people who are going there on day passes to go on um, roller coasters are definitely going to be like that into Kabashi as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Japan wants TNA to do a G1 Climax tournament and trade talent. They want them to do the whole G1 Climax? Yeah, Dave says this a couple times that like New Japan want TNA to do an American G1. Which I guess doesn't end up going anywhere, but it's a fun thought. <laughs> We should, our next draft should be drafting the G1 blocks yeah. of a TNA G1. With a couple of New Japan guys thrown in? No. You get your um, Minoru Tanaka's? You wish. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting, you're getting. You know what, I've already buried him once. Sunny Siaki. <laughs> Noah's not interested in using any TNA talent, but would be willing to allow its own talent to that has working visas to work TNA. So the combination of New Japan wanting to be more involved in potential TNA wrestlers being able to work in Japan is, I think, what swayed them toward New Japan over Noah. They've also been trying to get Liger for ages. Uh, another note, an attempt to get Jushin Liger for the August pay-per-view for a match with Christopher Daniels fell through because New Japan has a sumo hall event on the same day. Ultimo Dragon was approached for the date, but apparently Dragon's WWE contract hasn't expired, 
and he has never been released as a, as a hiatus that never ended. So he's there. He's still technically under WWE contract. Are you looking up what the Sigma Hall show was? Yes, I'm. Go- I'm like, I'm looking up to see if what massive show and what match fucking uh, Liger had that he couldn't do this date. Oh, it's just that multi-man tag on the undercard. That's what I'm fucking. That's what I'm contemplating. Mm. Yeah, WWE doesn't use Dragon, doesn't care about him working in Indies or Japan, but they would care about him TNA, basically. 8.14, G1 Climax. Would it be 8.13, I guess? Well, both of them. Why not? Oh my god, Hangman was on this show. <laughs> what would it have been, like 17? Okay, so in one of these shows, he was in an eight-man tag, mm-hmm. and the other one of these shows, he wasn't booked. <laughs> <laughs> what was the eight-man tag? <sighs> uh, yeah, good question, Garrett. Uh... Oh, wait, yeah, wait. The, he wasn't on the Sumo Hole show! Well, Dave's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even on the fucking show! What made you think he was? Dave saying? No, when you saw an eight-man tag. Oh, that, he was, that was the day before, which was in Nagoya, in the Aichi Prefectural Center. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. But, like, in the actual Sumo, Col- Sumo Hole show, he wasn't booked. Mm. <laughs> but he might <laughs> have fuck? been needed. <laughs> fuck you, New Japan. Uh, at the last tapings there was a california camera crew there filming a reality tv show pilot on jeff and jerry jarris i need to see this i need to see this well actually that could make for a fascinating tv show if it were the with those two 24 hours a day the odds of it going where aren't good according to dave classic dave spreading falsehoods that's like my favorite thing about the observer is just like the random notes like the kabashi might have worked tna yeah that's one I hadn't heard before. It's just like a thing that was apparently at least somewhat considered and they were open to doing. A funny Jeff Jarrett story. Behind the scenes, there is a clear deal going on with Jeff trying to rally a lot of wrestlers against Scott Demore in the current booking committee since they decided against giving him back the title. <laughs> He's such a bitch. <laughs> He's such a <laughs> Generally, bitch. the Jarrett position is a good one to be in, but Jarrett isn't getting much sympathy from anyone, even long-term friends who see through him. It's funny, it's like, it's Dave there, it's like, generally, people love most about the booker but in this instance people are like get fucked jeff he was the booker too so everyone also hates you <laughs> yeah. i think they moan about you a lot more than they're moaning about demora right now so they're like let's give demora a chance at least and it's just like i need to be champion at all times all times it's like what the fuck is wrong with you the funny story is jared tried to claim to raven he was the reason raven was named champion saying that when he found out he wasn't winning he told everyone involved that raven had to win even though there was that story last month about how he thought the king of the mountain match might fall apart without him <laughs> uh, because they're the only two people in the company that could be champions so he's trying to butter raven up and i'd imagine raven is also like fuck off <laughs> raven's as big of a carny as anyone else he knows what he's doing mm. jerry jared helped book some tna guys on a tour called world series of wrestling with dates <gasps> uh, in october in melbourne and sydney and in Newcastle, Australia. I am from there. Points to self. And as for the tour, our Mick Foley, Matt Hardy, Jeff Jarrett, Andrew Martin, Test, uh, Gail Kim, James Gibson, Nidia Rhino, Jesus Aguilera, Nathan Jones, Styles, and Daniels. I found that a fun one because, like, World Series of Wrestling still runs and still uses a bunch of Impact talent. Yeah, Mike Bailey, Alex Shelley, last two announcements for it. If you go to the Impact YouTube and watch last week's digital match on Tuesday, it was Jordan Grace against Shaz McKenzie. That's a, that's a World Series of Wrestling match. Mm. 
Now, World Series of Wrestling Booker, if you are listening and you need someone as, like, any sort of anything, I'll do anything. Just pay me money. <laughs> yeah, we we gave you some of both past and current buzz marketing right there. Yeah, see, we, we have this deep relationship already forming. So, you know, if you need someone to hang out with Alex Shelley all day, <laughs> just, just give us a call. Scott Demore is trying to keep himself off TV so he can devote his time to uh, at the shows to being Booker and not have to worry about performing as well. Jeff Jarrett's like, what? <laughs> Why isn't Scott trying to make himself NWA champion? He should. What's the point of being Booker if you can't book yourself as champion? <laughs> he should. Alrighty, that brings us to broad topics, starting with the NWA World Championship program for the month, which is Abyss versus Raven. June 24th, Impact. We get a big return, Liam. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> what went down the wrong way? <laughs> I didn't think you were going to throw it at me so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> the water was in my throat as you said it. <laughs> you were like, I have some time. He's going to do like two or three minutes of our preamble. He's going to start talking about the first segment on TV. I won't yeah. be thrown to for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? What's going on, Garrett? James Mitchell. Yeah. What about him? He's back. Oh, yeah. Good. I'm glad he's back. He's back for his most famous role ever. Yes, so this is the beginnings of James Mitchell and Abyss being an actual act together. James Mitchell is backstage on the June 24th Impact and he's talking to Abyss. He points out that Abyss has never gotten his one-on-one title match despite earning it twice. Uh, and then Mitchell says, like, uh, all you're missing is, like, the politicking and all the backstage stuff and all, like, the, the greasing the palms. I can do that. I just need a chance. And Abyss looked a little skeptical. Mm, he, he doesn't know whether to trust the sinister minister or not. Yeah, the man who is the literal embodiment of the devil. He does not know whether or not to. It's like, yeah, shh, shh, should I put my fate in his hands? Even Abyss is like, hmm. <laughs> Abyss, known follower in the history of TNA. So it's like, hmm. Yeah. Doesn't take much for Abyss to get on your side. Though we do know that Raven accidentally summoned Abyss from hell. Yep. That is established lore. <laughs> that we made up. <laughs> and in TNA lore, that James Mitchell is the official, like, ruler of hell. Yes. So that, that adds up. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, no matter how it got there, I'm just glad we're here. Yeah, even in my head, I was like, I thought the James Mitchell Abyss stuff was earlier in the year, and like, it took so long to get there. And it's such an obvious pair. It's a pairing they teased as well, if you remember, was it the build-up to either Victory Road or Turning Point? There was like James Mitchell doing the In the Rafters thing, doing the spooky voice, shouting it. I think it was even Raven or Monty at that time as well. And it's just like, you, you had the idea, and it's the right idea. It's a pairing that really works, and it took you so long to pull the trigger on it. Well, they thought one of them was leaving, so... Yeah, and uh, James Mitchell also, like, because the, the, he did a, a promo for One Night Stand uh, that it was apparently cut, so he didn't even make it on One Night Stand. <laughs> Which old TNA people were banned from. Yeah, and I think he was out of contract, so maybe they were like, oh, he's flirting with WWE, now we've got to bring him back. It worked. See, he is a master politicker. Yeah, he's like, I'll do one promo for One Night Stand that'll get cut and that'll get me my the best managerial stint of my career. He should be doing more. Uh, he's on Impact next week. He's also, like, does NWA stuff, I think. I think he's Max the Impaler's uh, manager, which is a good fit. Yeah, because he managed them at Victory Road last year when they faced uh, Jordan Grace. Yeah. I like Max. I think Max is really good. So James Mitchell propositioned Abyss to be his manager, and then later in the show, Raven comes out to do his big NWA World Champion promo. He does some evil poetry, says he fulfilled his destiny, but then James Mitchell comes out, and his first time is like, if you're through it, you're in incoherent gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite thing here is that like Raven just gets beat up mm. and the first thing that went through my head was 
Raven has shown more vulnerability in his first day as NWA champion than Jeff Jarrett did his entire run. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett, again, for uh, we talked about for a guy who was, like, rooted in Memphis. He was really bad at showing ass while being champion. Yeah, 100%. Whereas yeah, here, Raven is going back and forth with Mitchell. Abyss jumps him from behind. They do a little brawl that ends in a black hole slam that Abyss chokes Raven with the chain as it becomes clear that Abyss and James Mitchell are now in cahoots. Mm. Um, you were mentioning on the watch along I think it's a good point that it's kind of nice to bring <laughs> Mitchell you. back in for a, a particular straight into a program with Raven because that's obviously yeah, the guy it, he hates the most yeah that's uh, that's where he was most recently seen the guy he feuded with most he, they had that last man standing match and everything and now he's back he's managing the unstoppable juggernaut abyss to take down Raven's NWA title it's a good um little full circle moment indeed indubitably so july 1st impact abyss has a kind of a squash match i guess it's a competitive squash against sunny siaki yeah uh, your favorite wrestler to talk about sunny siaki yeah i always i'm always talking about sunny siaki you adore sunny siaki that's me sunny siaki number one stan the crowd for the first time i believe does the oh oh abyss chant during this match yeah i've always said that this is a great chant <laughs> So you were super duper skeptical when I pointed out this chant to you while they were doing it during the No Surrender main event. And then like five minutes later, all you could do was the, oh, oh, Abyss, oh, Abyss. It's just fun to do. It is. It's a fun chant. Folks in the impact zone, they, they, they're they having themselves a good time. Just wait till they get the Bentley bounce going. Well, it's currently the Shane bounce. <laughs> the Shane shuffle. Ah, no, that's Shira. I'm doing it. I'm doing the Shane shuffle right now. <laughs> uh, Abyss does like a, a splash off the middle rope in this TV squash. I'm like, Abyss, what are you doing? He's just, he's trying to get everyone's eyes on him. He's about to have this big pay-per-view main event. Let my man, let my man work. Fair play to him. Abyss wins with a black hole slam. He goes to use the chain after the match, but Apollo steps between Abyss and Siaki. Then Apollo's a fucking idiot who turns his back on Abyss and attacks him. And even Mike Tanay is like, you can't turn your back on Abyss, you fucking dope, you. <laughs> I like that Mike Tanay has a willingness to bury the baby faces when they do something exceptionally stupid. <laughs> the funnier part is he's also part of the booking committee, so he made him do the stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Raven makes the save, hits the Raven effect, he wraps a chain around Abyss's neck and pulls Abyss into a chair in the corner, which is a spot I really like. They do it in the pay-view match as well, but it's a cool spot. I'm just, like, kind of amped to have a singles match that doesn't have Jeff Jarrett for the title. Even though he does loom over it, we'll talk about that in a second. His presence is always there. Uh, Raven challenges Abyss to a dog collar match at the pay-per-view, but adds a stipulation that there can be no surrender. You cannot submit, you cannot tap out, you can only win by pinfall, so suffering can only end when Raven allows which is like very funny because it's the complete opposite sort of justification that they use for i quit matches Mm. (laughs) it's like there'll be no easy win we can't i can't just pin you i'm gonna have to make you quit (laughs) that is funny it's like no never mind any of this quitter shit you can't quit you can Mm. only be beaten to respect tna law they should have made all i quit matches surrender matches yeah no surrender and surrender there should be a surrender pay-per-view too yeah no they should do a surrender match on no surrender yeah uh, when they announced the dog collar match mike today was like hook them up like dogs <laughs> which is maybe the best sell for the announcement of a dog collar match ever yeah he's so enthusiastic about the idea of these two being tied together like dogs dog collar matches rule also i get why they're called dog collars because you wear the collar but like you don't hook dogs up like that. You don't chain dogs together. 
Maybe not in your neighborhood. Maybe Mike Denae's neighborhood, too. You never know. <laughs> That's why he was so surprised. So, yeah, main event of the pay-per-view will be Abyss versus Raven in a no-surrender dog-collar match at no-surrender. It's both the pay-per-view and the stipulation. It works out well. Did they ever do another no-surrender match? No. Surrender? I'm trying to think. They probably did another dog-collar match, but not a lot of them. Didn't they do the tag dog-collar match? Which one? Wasn't, no, no, sorry, I'm thinking of the Barwire Massacre. Yeah, and they've done some strap matches. Is this the only dog collar match in TNA history? Well, it's not the only one. There was one with Vampiro as well. Oh, yeah. That, that had another stupid name, though, didn't it? That was... was It was it was Blood Gallows of Retribution? Was that that one? Yes, of course. Might have been Hangman's Horror. Who could possibly tell? <laughs> Many stipulations. But yeah, I think Hangman's Horror, like, the way to win was to throw them over, though, wasn't it? And, like, choke them out. Yeah, Hangman's Horror was the four straps on the corners, wasn't it? Yeah. Then you had to tie it and hang them, yeah. Which is so, not really a dog collar match. So cool. Oh, they did the six-man tag dog collar match. You were right. There was a gathering against uh, New Church of Shane Douglas. That was a six-man tag dog collar match. So there you go. I knew the images in my head somewhere. Uh, Abyss faced Cassidy Riley on the July 8th impact. Killed him. Uh, this is Abyss's third match against Riley this year. And, you know, we're still waiting for that Riley upset. I was looking at the cage match and Abyss in the history of impact squashes Cassidy Riley five times. <laughs> So we have we have two more to go after this. Oh, I'm excited. We should make a compilation video. He does absolutely kill him. Shock treatment, black hole slam. Black hole slams him again. Raven makes the save. Abyss crossed Raven on the post and then hung him over the ropes with a chain again. And Cassidy Riley looked at this and said, man, Raven's the coolest. Yeah, so you might think this is just a throwaway squash match to set up Raven with the post match. You might think that based on the other four times. Yeah, it's just Cassidy Riley, a completely uh, disposable part of this story, completely expendable. Not quite. The next episode of Impact, Mike Tanay is aghast because after the opening match, he gets something in his headset saying, we're throwing to Cassidy Riley. <laughs> and Mike Tanay is like, this can't be right. We're going to Cassidy Riley? I mean, if I was in that position, I would have a similar reaction. He is just so thrown by the very idea that we're going to hear from Cassidy Riley. <laughs> uh, Terry Taylor has Cassidy Riley backstage. Riley's like, Raven, thank you for helping me the last week. Yeah, you know, it's nice to see you really care about me. And Terry Taylor, which I did really, really appreciate, pointed out, is like, you know, this is the dude that broke your fingers once. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the fucking owned. I loved that. He introduced me to the pain, and I loved it. And uh, Raven, I'll be here for you. Is this serotonin? Uh, not quite. This is more like him having like a, a disciple. He's the sick boy. An unwanted disciple, but a disciple nonetheless. Uh, it's right. a silly angle, but I kind of enjoy the idea that like Raven saved him from getting killed once, and he's like, I fucking love you, and I'm going to devote my life to you. Did you bring Julio back? It would have been a nice role for Julio. Julio comes back and goes, you're the world champion now. You're actually cool. I take it all back. I kind of appreciate that, like, there's two go-home promos on the show. One from James Mitchell, one from Raven. And they both kind of hit the same beat. They're both like, I can't believe you do a no-surrender dog collar match. You're going to die. And, and like, but it's like, Abyss is like, you just dug your own grave. Well, James Mitchell is. Yeah, like, you just dug your own grave. I can't believe you put yourself in this match. And Raven's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Because yeah. <laughs> they both think they're going to murder. James Mitchell says Abyss will pound, pound, pound on Raven. Pause. Uh-huh. Like a judge's gavel. Oh. Uh, hard justice was a couple of months ago, pal. This is no surrender. We're not doing the justice motif. He's like, but I wasn't on that show. 
Uh, and then I mean, uh, the, the, the show ended with Raven cutting a promo being like, Abyss, you're going to beg to say I quit, but you can't. And I'm going to keep beating the shit out of you. Nice. So main event of the pay-per-view, Raven defended the NWA World Heavyweight Championship against Abyss in his first title defense in a no-surrender dog collar match. Oh, oh, Abyss. This is where those chants were out in force. They, they were only like the beginnings of the chant for the Siaki match. Now it's like, oh, full on, oh, 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 Abyss chants. Yeah, we were talking about this uh, during this match, how TNA actually showed a lot of restraint on this show by making this the only full Panda match, and it actually worked because it made it all stand out, and even though there were better in-ring matches on this show, I thought this match kind of rocked. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it's just Abyss and Raven doing wacky shit. Raven pulled Abyss's chair into a head in the corner. Raven stapled a dollar to Abyss's bleeding head, which is like, it's funny because the staple gun is usually one of the easier gimmicked spots because it makes the noise without you ever having to see the staple. Mm. But here they're like, no, we're going to make sure they know that it's a shoot staple gun. You're going to staple a dollar to his head. That's why they do it. You got to respect it. Uh, Raven knee lifted Abyss off the stage through two tables. Then as Raven was walking down the ramp, Abyss just pulled on the chain and yanked him off the stage for like the best kind of clumsy fall through a table. It wasn't like the clean, you know, take a back bump. He felt like hip first because he was pulled off the stage. Uh, Raven also speared Abyss through a table against the post. And Cassidy Riley came out to help his pal. He's going to help Raven defend it. Oh no, he got choked down through a table. <laughs> it was a great bump too. Again, not a clean one. One that looks like he just died. Yeah. Uh, Raven powerbombed Abyss into tax, but Raven kicked out. Raven kicked out of a black hole slam, which I think makes him the first person in TNA history to do so. Yeah, and they got a big reaction too. Yeah. Raven hit Abyss with the Raven effect into thumbtacks to retain the NWA world title. Yeah, really good main event. It's a classic Raven plunder, but Raven's been like on decent form this year, aside from the Dustin Rhodes matches, I guess. But like the Hardy match was great nonsense. The Sean Waltman match was great nonsense. And this is great nonsense. Yeah, Raven's on a bit of a run. Just blood and plunder and people falling through tables and chains and black hole slams and thumbtacks. What more could you want from a pay-per-view main event? You can throw Rhino in there too. Which we will get to in a moment because we have to talk all about Jeff Jarrett's whining through the month first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Jeff Jarrett comes out during an AMW versus Simon Diamond and Triton match. (laughs) How dare he first of all break up such a mystical match that everyone has been dying to see. So yeah, the week before, Jarrett's shouting at Larry Zbysko, he's demanding his rematch. Larry explains that the King of Mountain was his rematch, and it's not Larry's fault that Jeff Jarrett blew it and got himself taken out of the match. <laughs> and then Larry is like, Abyss deserves title shot, new talent coming in deserves a title shot, and Jarrett's like, wait a minute, new talent? New talent? What the fuck mm-hmm. is this new talent you're talking about here, pal? Samoa Joe. Oh, yeah, which he probably does deserve a title shot. We'll get to Joe in a second. About the extent to which people believe he deserves a title shot because wrestling is dumb and stupid. So Jeff Jarrett comes out during this July 1st AMW versus Simon Diamond and Triton match, which might be the Triton? last of Triton. <laughs> Can we get another tag? I'm not sure. He might show up again, but he is replaced on the pay-per-view by David Young. I thought he had two... Yeah, he has a second tag against Siaki and Apollo. Oh, yeah, they even win that one. So, Simon Diamond... Oh, this is the return of Simon Diamond as well, by the way. Simon's back. And he has a problem. His problem is that Triton's his tag team partner. (laughs) There's such a silly little pairing, too. I I wrote that uh, joke into the show notes, and thank you for teeing me up for it. I gotcha. 
<laughs> uh, Jeff Jarrett comes out. He's really mad. Larry won't give his rematch. He insists he's being robbed. He's shouting at Mike today. He promises to run Larry out of here. He's doing this on commentary, by the way, during the match. He, he promises to run Larry out of the company just like he did Dusty. And he wants to know about the new talent. And then says, somebody's going to pay next week. Nice. And then because he's takes Don West's headset to do all this, he's shouting at Mike Tanae like he always is. And then Don gets his headset back and he tells the biggest lie in TNA history where he's like, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett just interrupted a heck of a match. I've been watching this match and these guys are tearing it up. It's a heck of a match. Uh, Storm pinned Diamond with a super kick. Completely unrelated to anything. <laughs> <laughs> this match existed, sure. So July 8th, Mikey Bats and Zach Goward are having a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, and it's... And, what I'm, and Mikey Bats... Sorry, Mickey Bats. Um... He's not Mickey Bats until the pay-per-view. Nah, he's Mickey Bats to me. Mickey Bats out here, new look, doesn't look exactly like Austin Aries anymore. We have to respect a king for changing it up. His hair's longer now. He's wetting it up real good. Mm. Long tights. He has some shiny independent wrestling gear from the year 2005. Yeah, so good work, Mickey. So Mike Tanay on commentary immediately starts talking about how Jeff Jarrett said somebody will pay this week, which might be the hint that something's about to happen. <laughs> Why can't Mickey Betts and Zach Gowan just get to have a match? Yeah, they just go out there and have their nice little two-minute wrestling match before, uh, oh no, Jeff Jarrett's here. <laughs> so Jarrett comes out and he commandeers the ring bell and he starts ringing it. And then he jumps on the microphone, he tells the wrestlers to leave the ring, and Mikey Betts just does. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this. Uh, I don't want to get in the way of this guy, this guy's crazy. It's like, the, the baby face, Mikey Betts is like, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> Well, I think this might be the start of some sort of heelish thing, because on the pay-per-view, he was working heelish. Mm. He's like, fine, I don't want to get on the bad side of Double J. Can I join Jam Planet Jarrett, please? <laughs> Mikey Betts should be in Jeff Planet Jarrett. Uh, Gowan, however, refuses to leave the ring, and Jeff Jarrett corners him. He does a little one-legged hop to mock Zach Gowan, kicks him mm. in the gut, and hits him Everything- with the guitar. <laughs> Double J, double MMA. He does like a little sidekick too. He yeah. does like a wha. <laughs> and then just wallops him with the guitar as Zach Gowan eats shit for not leaving the ring. Maybe the best thing to happen on TV the entire month. It might be the little one-legged jump, which is very funny and very stupid. I wonder if he did that on TV in 2023, would people be mad at him? I think they would be mad if anyone other than Jeff Jarrett did it. Oh, you think Jarrett would get the pass? People are like, it's double J again. Yeah, because he's insane. <laughs> That's true. And yeah, he starts doing his promo. I think anytime Jared talks on these shows is when I really so. <laughs> but he's like, any new talent will have hell to pay. And he's coming for Raven to take his title and Abyss to take his title shot. Why would he want both? I'm not sure. But he wants to wrestle himself. He would fucking love to wrestle himself at a pay-per-view main event. He'd be rock hard the whole time. Oh, and then was there any Jared? But he would go over. <laughs> time limit draw, 60 minutes. Yes. So the pay-per-view, as you mentioned, there was a pre-show segment where Jarrett and Tanae were in the ring. Jarrett, as usual, just shouting at Mike Tanae about something or other. He's like, who's the new person showing up? Is it Rhino? Is he here? And Mike Tanae is like, you're damn right he is and he'll be on the pay-per-view tonight. All right, thanks guys. So then you can buy the pay-per-view to see Rhino. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not, it's not even close. Stop it. Stop, stop pushing your agenda. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying it until people just believe it. So there is a showrunning angle then where Jared interrupts a bunch of backstage pre-tapes because he's trying to rally support. Because part of the promo he cut with Mike Tanay in the pre-show was that a bunch of people in WWE have just gotten fired and they're yep. all going to come and take your jobs. Yeah. 
So he's going around all the heels. He's going to Team Canada. He's going to Monty and the newly named Kip James. We'll get to that in a second. And he is trying to rally support. He's trying to be like, you guys are on my side, right? You're all my pals. You're all my buddies. When they come to replace you, we'll be ready. We'll be ready to take them out. And and this will be our company, not their company. And everyone is pretty reluctant. Like Bobby Roode's like, we can't trust that guy. Monty Brown is my favorite. It's like, our entire agreement was contingent on you giving me a title shot. And I don't see a title there pal yeah i i love this because this is kind of actually like a like a semi baby face thing to do mm-hmm. to be like you know the invaders gonna come in and we're gonna fight we're gonna be on tna and it, it was jeff jarrett so everyone's like eh, i don't know about that one chief you're just full of shit yeah and like it's like sure this will be how it starts but in the end it's just gonna be us protecting your spot isn't it mm. i also like that this could all be footage from jeff jarrett actually going around <laughs> behind the scenes <laughs> i wonder is that a little bit of like you know our oh, the ribbon like, on the square for sure or they're like oh we'll have him run around trying to rally support behind him against the evil people holding him down yeah. Uh, he also goes to Larry demanding to know who Rhino, where Rhino is. And Larry's like, Rhino's here, but I don't run a daycare. I don't know where he is. He's hanging out. And Jarrett says he'll be Rhino's welcoming committee. So the big thing is like, oh, Jarrett's scared of Rhino. He doesn't want Rhino to be here. He's bloody blah. So Jarrett comes out after the main event. Raven just beat Abyss to retain the NWA title. Oh, so Raven is fucked. <laughs> he just did a dog collar match where he fell through some tables. He does like, and he's, he's selling his so excellent. He has his fists up, but they're like up just below his chest. And he's like, elbows are pulled into his side. Like he has nothing in them. Mm. He has no strength in himself anymore. So yeah, Jarrett's doing his promo and then he's like, I have one bit of advice for you. Turn around. He turns. The War Machine Rhino's behind him. He gores Raven out of his boots as Raven and Jarrett are an alliance as we go off the air. It's a pretty good ending. Yeah, yeah Rhino here. The thing I, I most thought about watching the TVs is like, dear God, we need stars on this show. Yeah, 100%. God, we need stars. At least when you had the Nash and DDP era, like, you'd be like, oh, Nash and DDP are on the screen. I, I will at least sit up in my chair a little bit because they are stars. Yeah, the fr- the phone will go face down on my lap for a second. <laughs> Whereas now you get like an Apollo and Siaki versus Simon Diamond David Young match on pay-per-view, never mind TV. And you're like, oh no, we, we, we need to bolster this roster a little bit. Yeah, we've gone too far. Because there are times where we were like analyzing Dusty's cards where he'd throw those kind of matches on the show. And you're like, why aren't you using X, Y, or Z? And I don't think you could really say that anymore. Like AMW get a match on the pay-per-view. Joe gets a match on the pay-per-view. Daniels gets a match on the pay-per-view. Raven gets a match on the pay-per-view. Styles gets a match on the pay-per-view. All the people you would book in singles matches or important matches on the pay-per-view get matches on the pay-per-view. And then you're like, how do we fill out the rest of the card? Yeah. Well, like, the the easiest, like, sort of representation of that is, you look at our broad topics, there's no, like, miscellaneous yeah. <laughs> tag. It's just heavyweight tag X Division. They're really, like, they, they, they don't have depth in this roster right now, and I think they're doing a pretty good job of what they have when you look at it, but it doesn't yeah. make for the most exciting TV at times. I mean, the, have, not having depth on the, the roster probably gave us Saban and Joe, so... Yeah. It's just like, we're going to throw Joe on the pay-per-view. Uh, we'll put him against Saban and the match rocks. We'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah. One of the best matches of the month. Um, actually, you know what? Let's talk about it now. Let's go straight to Joe. Yeah. Because we're moving over to the X Division anyway. Well, speaking of, like, people that you sit up when they're on the screen, that was me every time Samoa Joe came out. I was like, wow, let's go. Samoa Joe's here. Yeah. So first impact of the month, July 24th of the pay-per-view cycle, Samoa Joe wrestles Ring of Honor legend Delirious. Yeah. And he 
beats the piss out of him. He does. There's a moment where, you know the way Joe does the chop to the back, kick, and then drop a knee? <laughs> so one of Joe's, like, long-time combos. So he does the cho- uh, chop to the back, the kick, but Delirious doesn't fall, like, to, to his back so that Joe can drop the knee. He's still in a seated position. So Joe's just like, fuck it, I'm going to drop the knee on your seated neck. I thought he was going to do the scent on. <laughs> he I thought he was going to fucking crush him. <laughs> Uh, I like the opening started part of this match is Delirious is doing his Delirious antics where he like runs outside the ring, he does a lap of the ring, he runs back into the ring and Joe just sweeps his legs and absolutely kills him. Yeah, um, so I, I think this match was super necessary mm-hmm. because, and it also kind of got me onto your position too uh, that the Sanjay match was kind of perfect because Sanjay was the introduction but then he got to do this the week after where he just murdered someone. Just absolutely killed him. I had a small pet peeve about the entrances. Mm. So this was this match came right after the Jeff Jarrett shouting about new talent to Larry Zabisco segment. So as Joe was making his entrance, all the announcers were doing was talking about that. You know, they were following that up, coming out of that segment, which I'm fine with. But if you're going to do that, have Delirious come out first. Yeah. Just have Delirious make the first entrance. Yeah, just swap those so that they're talking over Delirious at his entrance. And then when when Joe comes out, it's business about Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely killed him. Destroyed him. Muscle Buster, Coquina Clutch. Joe picks up the win. I love how Joe is ending these matches too. Because you fully believe he would win every match with the Muscle Buster. Mm. He's just putting on the Coquina Clutch to be a dick. <laughs> yeah. It's just absolutely unnecessary death kills for Samoa Joe and all of these shows. And like, even like Tanae kind of sells it because he's like, Muscle Buster, it's over. And then he just goes like, ah. Also, like, he you know, explains how Coquina is Samoan for choke. So it's the choke clutch. Wow. But if you don't call it a choke, even though it's a different language for choke, it doesn't count as a choke. Yeah, wait, chokes are illegal. There's some pedantry about that. We'll get to it when we talk about the saving match. Joe had another squash two weeks later. It was Joe against Elix Skipper against Shark Boy. Which I was like, all right, they're going to give him a win over Elix. That's kind of a big jump from where he is. And then Shark Boy came in. I was like, ah. Yeah, because like they, they had Shark Boy win the Slammiversary Scramble. And he also had a little squash match over David Young in the first impact of the month. The person, the only person lower on the totem pole. <laughs> So they're, they're, they're not doing like a push of Shark Boy, but he's like slightly more featured because he's in the news because of that lawsuit. Yeah. Um, I, during this entrance, I think that Samoa Joe just straight up shoulder checked SoCal Val and then was such a dick about it too. Like looked at her like, why did you do that to me? <laughs> It's very rude of Samoa Joe. He's a mean fella. He, like, when he comes out, you're just like, that man has presence. Yeah. Like, you look at him and, like, he owns the television screen. He makes it feel like TNA, too. And like, these are his, his first TV matches. He's never done TV before. So he's, like, coming out and he owns the television screen. He just has such presence. Like, you cannot look away from Samoa Joe. He's the best. Yeah. Uh, here he does this match with Skipper and Shark Boy, where they actually do some fun stuff. There's, like, a, a Sunset Flip Tower of Doom. Uh, there's a, a spot where Joe German suplexes both guys at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Skipper looks to do the rope walk, but then Joe just drop kicks the rope. Uh, Muscle Buster and Coquina Clutch on Shark Boy then for the win. Good stuff. Joe's just killing dudes. Uh, then he technically loses. <laughs> yeah, so Mojo's uh, winning streak is over. Streak is over. Team Canada defeats Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels on the last impact before the pay-per-view. It's the Team Canada combination of P.D. Williams and Eric Young. Joe gets the hot tag, which I thought was kind of funny that like Team Canada, the heels here. So Daniels and Joe work as the babyfaces. Despite Daniels being like one of the most irredeemable heels in the company. 
Yeah, because he's working the, the pay-per-view program with PD, so it's kind of heel versus heel. So I guess they're like, even though Daniels is like one of our biggest heels, everyone hates the Canadians. So Daniels kind of has to be the proxy babyface. Also, Joe's cool. <laughs> Joe is very cool. Uh, they did a, a, one of the finishes TNA absolutely loves. They, they did it with Hardy and Raven at one stage. They've done it a couple more times where the dude somebody's feuding with comes out and brawls to the back, which causes his team to lose. So Now you say someone he's feuding with. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? Well, they do announce pretty early that Saban will face Samoa Joe at the pay-per-view. And there is a segment that we actually skipped on the July 8th Impact where Saban beats David Young in the opener. And the the, the Joe match has already been announced at this stage. And Don Don West tries to argue that, like, David Young is a decent approximation of Samoa Joe for a chewed-up match. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, nothing is really brought out, like, let's go beat up this guy Mm. in this. But I guess Saban's just like, I need to get every advantage possible. Yeah, Joe just jumped Saban after this match. So uh, Saban is just returning the favor. Mm, okay. But yeah, Don is like, is he, this is like him wrestling Samoa Joe. And Mike Tanae is like, it's absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically the same guy. So much so that he like goes back to it. It's like, and another reason they like, Joe has won more matches than David Young has in the last three years. And Joe has been here for two matches. And David Young has been here for three years. Uh, Saban lands on his head taking a German suplex for no reason whatsoever but they do replay at the show he only landed like high in his neck so I'm sure he's fine yeah a guy who's never had histories of neck injuries yeah he'll be fine (laughs) my favorite part of the match is because it goes to commercial break and they come back and the first thing you hear when they come back is Don being like amazingly David Young wasn't beaten during the break (laughs) that's a great bit they should do that on Dynamite. Yeah, so Saban wins with the Cradle Shock. Joe attacks him after the match and chokes him out, which does set up Saban coming out to brawl to the back with Joe during this Team Canada versus Samoa Joe and Daniels match. And then PD pins Daniels with the Canadian Destroyer. I kind of am in... I know this isn't the part where we're talking about it, but I am kind of into the PD Daniels stuff. Yeah, let's cover that here too, and then we'll talk about both pay-per-view matches at once. Let's just bust out all the X Division. So, first show of the month, uh, Skipper loses the Christopher Daniels in a TV main event. Tremendous bit with Skipper hiding in the entrance tunnel, waiting for Daniels to come out. Yeah, so Skipper comes out first, and he, he doesn't get in the ring. He runs around the ring, runs up the ramp, and hides to the side of the <laughs> and he tunnel. he does a little... <laughs> so no one will reveal his scheme. So he's standing at the side of the tunnel, so that when Daniels comes out, and he, he even has his hood... Yeah, it, it double works. It's the only guy it'll, like, 100% work on. Because you have the little thing where he doesn't have the, the peripheral vision anymore either. So he, he could not possibly see Skipper there. He walks right past him and Skipper jumps up from behind to start the match, which is, a, I think, yeah, it's a fun little bit. It's good stuff. Yeah, the entire first half of the match is just Skipper kicking Daniel's ass. Daniel's hangs Skipper up on the ropes. This is where Tanae announces Joe versus uh, Saban, by the way, for the pay-per-view. Uh, eventually, a fun finish. Daniel submits Skipper with the Koji clutch. Busted out. So he's winning with what would probably be his third finish, beating his old tag team partner. Yeah, just yeah, that is fun. I mean, Daniels is one of those guys that you just, like, have a thousand finishes. Because mm. he's the ring technician, you know? So the July 1st Impact, Daniels is pointing out how he has defeated Shocker, a man from Mexico. Shocker. He has defeated Chris Sabin and Michael Shane at the same time, two men from America. So he has defeated the world, he says, after beating these men from two countries. Yeah. The two countries that exist. They did this thing. They only did it on this episode where they played some music underneath the backstage promos that wasn't the Impact theme. Like here it was David Young's music for some reason. 
Because <laughs> he's a good approximation of the world. He's the bald man, just like Christopher Daniels. Wow, that's the alliance. Bold W.O. Yeah, so they were trying this new thing where they were playing different music underneath each backstage promo, and I think they realized it doesn't really work. So they went back to just playing the impact theme underneath the backstage promos, and I think that's fine. And why not? Daniels is like, I am tra- transcending borders, which then brought up the Canadians, because he's like, I have no more empires to conquer. And Petey's like, what about Canada, pal? They're like, and he's like, no, I want Liger. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, a fun little back and forth then where PD goads Daniels into giving him an X Division title shot. And Daniels is like, wait a minute. Why would I do that? <laughs> you want to prove you're better Canadians? Uh, it's like, yeah, they give me a title shot. It's like, fine. And then he's like, fuck. <laughs> it's funny because like, it's not like Daniels who does that to people. Yeah. Turnabout is fair play for old Christopher Daniels. He got done in by his, you know, you know what it is? He's normally used to dealing with the dumb idiot baby faces. Hmm. He had to deal with a fellow conniving heel. Yeah, Scott Demore has trained PD well. Yeah. And that is like the, the little story they're telling in the month that like in Demore's absence, PD is stepping up, that he's taking the leadership role within Team Canada and like leading them on into the future. Because there's a promo on one of these shows where they're like super sad. They're like, Scott Demore's missing. <laughs> they we solemnly have... sing the Canadian National Anthem. <laughs> it's like, we, we have nothing left. And then PD's like, no, we have to do this in honor of Scott Demore. We will lead into the future. Who is dead? He, they have a little photo of him on the locker that's open behind them <laughs> in memoriam of Scott Demore. That's one of my favorite TNA things that no one else really does is they do the backstage segments in the locker room. Mm. And I always thought that was such a fun touch. There's, there's of course they would. That's where people are hanging out. Makes sense. And it's a thing where they, they, I think TNA always tried to find like a variety of places to shoot those. Oh yeah, interesting backgrounds and interesting sets has always been a TNA staple. And especially once we start moving into proper TNA comedy too, mm. where they're like, let's go do a thing in a convenience store. Let's go have Motor City Machine Guns try to beat up Bob Backlund on the side of the road. <laughs> let's just do different things in unique areas. They Spring. also always tried to make the best use of filming in a studio lot. Because mm. they're like, Let's go out and do things in this big open space. Let's go find different areas around that we can use. Yeah, and even like within the arena, when you think about like how they have an interview set, that's where they do like a bulk of the interviews. Then as we mentioned, they have like the locker room where they do the Team Canada ones. Mike Tanay does sit down interviews inside like the empty impact zone earlier in the day. There was that one he did with DDP, which was like with the looking through the back of the tunnel into the arena. It's like they're constantly just trying to find ways so that you're not in the seats. Yeah, they're sitting in the seats. They're, they're constantly trying to find ways so that you're just not looking at the same thing over and over again. Yeah, which is like a remarkable amount of foresight in production from a company that I wouldn't expect it from. And from other people who don't do it. It's like every company is just like interview set ring, interview set ring, interview set ring, move on. Yeah. Uh, July 8th Impact, Petey Williams defeated The Amazing Red. How sad. Yeah, and Red is still bad, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, already in the ring, The Amazing Red. Yeah, Daniels is on commentary, finishes, PD strides into a Canadian Destroyer. It's not quite a running Canadian Destroyer, but he like walks right into it. It's pretty cool. And the entire beat Daniels is hitting over and over again is like, PD Williams, one trick pony. You devoid the Canadian Destroyer, PD can't beat you. So PD beats Amazing Red with the sharpshooter here instead of the Canadian Destroyer. So he shows his layers. He's like an old nuanced performer. <laughs> and then PD does beat Daniels with the Canadian Destroyer in that Team Canada versus Joe and Daniels match to set up. Do you think that was also like a little playoff Daniels winning with the Koji Clutch? Oh, so he wins with a different move. That's actually, yeah, that's, I didn't even realize that. That's a, that's a nice little touch. And they both use submissions. So that does bring us to the pay-per-view. We'll talk about Joe and Sabin first, because that match rocked. Yeah, um, I think I went like full four. 
Yeah, because it's just, it's the classic Joe formula, where he is the big unstoppable man who's beating the shit out of Saban, and Saban yeah. is valiantly fighting from underneath for everything he's worth, like drop kicking Joe into rails and doing everything he can to get any small advantage against Joe. And it's just a perfect, timeless formula from like a dude who's a really good underdog babyface against a dude who's a really good overbearing heel. Yeah, and like, of course, Joe just comes across as a force of nature. Mm. That's like what's the cool thing about these explosion matches with, the, with the Joe is like, Joe just feels like an unrelenting force that these guys are not, they're not even like trying to beat him half the time, they're trying to survive him. Yeah, and I feel like you're seeing a strong development of Chris Saban here. It's like, oh, he's like, this is the year where Saban, similar to AJ, where it's like, oh, he became AJ Styles. It's like Saban was raw potential for the first couple of years, but not finished article, even though he did have that tremendous match against Hoobie in the Super X Cup final, where he's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's there is an awful lot there with Chris Saban. And now you watch him where he's like, he has like all the babyface fire stuff. I think he looks bigger physically. He's he's just filling out that role as like a, 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 a like a fully well-rounded X Division guy at this stage yeah you're, you're seeing it come together mm. and it, again it helps being in there with joe at the same time yep it helps being in there with a generational performer it's like when you, you'd watch every like person in the european indie wrestle walter and you're like oh he's just dragged you to your fullest potential oh, same with like osprey mm. like any any old dope they chuck him with osprey and you're like wow this guy can have a four and a half star match and you're <laughs> like well yes but with the big asterisks of one will osprey Mm. Uh, Saban gets a big near fall and a sit out powerbomb and the crowd believe the, then he hits an enziguri goes up top but Joe kicks his leg out from under him muscle buster coquina clutch Saban passes out well he, he, his three arm drops uh, Joe wins I really thought they were going to bust out the super fucking <laughs> super muscle buster in like the fourth match yeah it's Chris Saban you gotta do a lot to put Chris Saban down the former X Division champion yeah a note Samoa Joe when asked for his reasons for coming here and turning down the WWE offer said he wanted to make it clear he's flattered by the WWE taking interest in him and had nothing bad to say about I them I want to keep that do. door open thank you <laughs> for 10 years down the line he just said going there isn't what he wanted to do he said he wanted to work a viable alternative and do the kinds of matches he wants rather than have to fit into the WWE style when he got here a lot of the front office was very negative on him based on his look and because his style is based on a lot of Japanese and MMA as opposed to old school pro wrestling yeah, i wonder which office members possibly thought that i wonder what jeff jarrett possibly thought about Samoa whoa, Joe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> there was a battle between those who wanted to push him to the moon and those who couldn't even understand why he was hired it even got to the point where his finisher was questioned because chokes aren't legal in pro wrestling i'm finding something to throw that's that's stupid <laughs> which people did point out Taz even though he was getting over strong to the fans and had nothing but good matches it wasn't until this match that people were like oh well fucking we can't deny this can we (laughs) we'll try our best but we can't which should have been the Sanjay match honestly when you saw the Sanjay match you should have been like we can't deny this but this is like the extra step of like we can't really deny this (laughs) Jared's just like (sighs) it just goes back to such stupid backwards views of who can and can't be a star and again what i was talking about aj a couple of months ago denying what's in front of your face yeah you see the man who walks onto television and has more screen presence than jeff jarrett could ever dream of and he's like oh well he's not lean and jacked therefore we can't push him idiots doofs morons idiots jeff jarrett's just like troglodytes yeah, Chris Jericho's over here. <laughs> yeah, I forgot when his gimmick was thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I know words. I say the words. And then everyone else did it for ten years. Yeah, Suitosaurus. That's that's like the that should be added to TEW as a character. <laughs> uh, yeah, this match. It's I think it's forgotten in like the the string of great matches Joe had this year in TNA because people mm. remember the Daniels Styles matches particularly. Um, people don't really remember the Saban match because it was his first like proper competitive pay per view match, and it rules. It's so good. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that thing about, like, the amount of vulnerability Joe shows here is probably more than conventional professional wrestling wisdom should tell you. And I think that's what makes him work, not what, like, is a detriment to him. You honestly believe Saban can be him, which elevates Saban even when he doesn't. Sorry, I'm just clarifying right now. Uh... One, Garrett Kidney did not put this in his top 50 TNA matches. I didn't. It would have been a heartbreaking cut. Did I take it out of the... the, I assume you're looking at the 2021 version, right? Uh, 2022. Or 2022, yeah. I did that last year. Because that was originally written for FSM. Maybe I took it out. Maybe I didn't. I should rewrite it. It's it's right... Like, it's, it's a heartbreaking cut. But it's a great match. If you had to guess off the top of your head, how many Samoa Joe matches do you think you did put in here? I'd say like 10 to 12. You have nine. Nine. So that's uh, yeah. voicewrestling.com if you'd like to read that list. Or if you have a, a like 10-year-old copy of FSM, there's a version. It's like six years old. But there's a version in that too. Your X Division title match on the show, Christopher Daniels defended the belt against Petey William. Uh, yeah, it was like it wasn't as good as the Joe match, but it's still really good. Yeah, two guys working very hard. Joe watching on ominously from the ramp. Which I was like, I didn't realize that they went to the Joe, like, title stuff immediately. Yeah, because we're moving straight into the Super X Cup, which, uh, the winner of which gets a an X Division title shot, and Samoa Joe is in. So put two and two together there. Hmm. He could lose by getting beat up by Chris Sabin, I guess. Yeah, so there's only mild setup for the Super X Cup. They're, they announce it on the pay-per-view, and there is also a four-way qualifier. It's Sanjay versus Mickey Bats versus the Skipper versus Sharkboy. Winner gets a spot in the Super X Cup. It's kind of rude that Sanjay has to be in that, but yeah. Well, he does win it at least. Yeah, no, but like, come on, he's brought up enough cachet now. Yeah, he beats Bats with the Hindu press. Uh, this is a fun heel versus heel match, so the finish is one of my favorite little things, where A1 distracts the referee and throws a chain to P.D. Williams, but then Daniels pulls a chain out of his own trunks and gets the P.D. first with the chain, hits the BME for the win. Yeah, two bastards doing bastard things. It's a fun dynamic. I always have enjoyed when, like, you get pure heel versus heel stuff. Like, one of my favorite Best of the Super Juniors matches was, like, Taichi and Taka, mm. where they were just, like, cheating the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, who is most dastardly? Yeah, good stuff. Who can come up with the best ways to circumvent the rules? Like, I think in this year's Best of the Super Juniors, Despi and Kanemaru are in the same block. Ooh. Which I'm like, let's go. Because A, you know, both kind of bastard men. But B, like, long time at this point, multiple time junior tag champions. So they're imploding. Well, because they're in different stables now, Garrett. Because uh-huh. El Desperado was in Strong Style and Yoshinobu Kanemaru was in Just Five Guys. Is Strong Style the name of that stable? Yeah, Narita, Suzuki, and Desperado. Just call- Why don't they just call it suzuki <laughs> It's because Narita is the main guy in it. Oh, and Suzuki's just his pal. Suzuki is like his dad who is teaching him how to murder. Mm. So speaking of like a dad student relationship, the last feud in the X Division is Naturals and the and Hoyt versus Team Canada. <laughs> now we're going to Styles and Waltman. 
Oh, of course. So if you remember, the King of the Mountain match was built around a little story where Waltman convinced AJ to work together with him, but then turned on him at the last minute. Yay. I do remember that. Do you? I, I, I gave it because I was trying to remember it. But <laughs> in the, the, the King of the Mountain match, I did enjoy that because I'm always a big fan of multi-man matches that actually have little layers in them. Mm. And uh, something like that is appreciative and adds an extra dynamic to a big spot match like that. And I, I especially appreciate it when you're like, not only is it a, a part of that match, but then it's a, a story coming out of that match into the next pay-per-view. Mm. <laughs> he just kind of like a little whiny bitch the whole time too. Yeah, because he's like a kid who got played, but then he's like, I, I want revenge. And Waltman's like, fuck you, dude, you're dumb. <laughs> oh man, I'm not dumb. Earth is round, I swear. July 1st Impact, Sean Waltman faces Sanjay Dutt. Dream match. It's a match that happens. Yeah. This is like... Uh, we were talking about this in the watch along about Sean Waltman and that like this this is a, a perfectly fine like two and a half star TV match but yeah. when you watch Sean Waltman there is just the comfort in watching a man who is better than I think nearly everybody on these shows there is a level and consistency to a Sean Waltman TV match that although it won't blow you away you know that you're not going to be insulted by watching it yeah like every single thing about like every kick he hits every like every position he takes when Sanjay's like everything about him he's just like a true pro who nails every beat of a wrestling match so even when he's doing what is ultimately like a six minute largely kind of a squash like he's not doing a super competitive match with Sanjay here like every beat of it is just perfect it's just on point he just nails it and it just made me kind of sad that like this is probably the longest run Waltman has in a TV wrestling company in fact i think it is since like the death of wcw you know <laughs> yeah he, he's always just been like that guy yeah he has like a, a four or five month run here where he's on tv pretty regularly and every other time he like he mostly pops in and out of tna in particular i don't think he even wrestles at all in WWE after this does he Mm, I don't think so. I don't remember him having like a one-off even in WWE. He's mostly a run-in guy. Yeah, or a guy who just stands in the background when they do the 17th DX reunion. They did one on SmackDown this week. Fuck's sake. But, <laughs> like, it's just such a shame. Because you watch these matches and see, he's still great. Yeah. And, like, you can document Sean Waltman's demons to, to up and down to the end of the, until the end of time. But, like, he's still great here. He still clearly has a ton to offer the business as a worker. And it's just such a shame that he never really had the chance to. Yeah. Well, like, I, I remember there being a distinct sort of moment when he did those Chikara matches. Mm. Generico, Cabana and such. And people were like... Oh, a woman can go. <laughs> yeah, it's the exact same feeling there, isn't it? It's like, oh, he still has a ton to offer because he was like 40 then. You know, it's not like yeah. he was washed past his prime. He's still in the, the age period where he should be able to deliver. <laughs> like the same age as Taiji Shimori is now. Yeah, exact same number of Which abs. It's become too. our favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, the fact that man is at 40 is just mind-blowing to me he also has looked the same age for like a decade that's true yeah it's, it's a shame it's, it's a it's a real shame because sean waltman is maybe the best wrestler to have not as many good matches as he should yeah to the level of talent uh, yeah 2012 was the chikara stuff that was 11 years yeah he would have been like just 40 so man and he like he did the gcw stuff i didn't watch the matches was he any good oh uh, yeah he did i watched one of them so he did the janela match and he did i think another tag didn't he uh, he tagged with Janela and then he did a Janela singles, yeah. Mm. I saw it was like 20 minutes long, so I was like, no thank you. But <laughs> I remember being like, he was like pretty okay in it, I thought. Mm. Maybe now's the time. We'll have that one last Sean Walton one. And that was like February of last year, so. 
main event of this impact after Waltman beats Sanjay with the X Factor, by the way. I like the, the little finish where he was doing the 10 punches in the corner and while the referee was admonishing him for doing it, uh, while the referee was admonishing Sanjay for doing a 10 punch, Waltman just cut a sneaky low blow and X Factored him for the win. Yeah, it's good stuff. And main event was AJ Styles versus Alex Shelley. I love AJ Styles and I love Alex Shelley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not rewatch this match. <laughs> yeah, you had a thing on the watch log where you're like, did they re air this match? It's like, no! <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I knew that they re-aired the first one. Mm-hmm. And in my head, because it has been two months, <laughs> I was like, oh, did they not re-air it yet? And this is the one they're, they're airing. And then halfway through, I noticed that, like, Shelly's face was exploded. Yep. And I went, I don't remember that last time. <laughs> and I was and like... And then Sean Waldman walks out. Sounds yeah, unpopular. I was like, maybe they spliced it. <laughs> And then, like, I was still kind of like, okay, they could have done, like, splicing and Waltman, like, post, like, new commentary or whatever. And then, when he walked in the ring afterwards, I was like, hmm, (laughs) maybe they didn't. Why did you build such a conspiracy theory for this match? Because I knew that they re-aired it. Oh. And we had, like, a whole conversation about AJ and Alex never having, like, a big breakout match in TNA. Mm. So that was still in my head, too. So it's your fault. Good little match. As you said, AJ hit a spin kick and Shelly's face just exploded. He's bleeding everywhere. Shelly may be like one of five people on this roster who wouldn't whine about that for the next two months. Mm. Uh, he did miss the TV main event the next week, though. He was meant to be. Or the last one. The last match of the month was Team Canada against Styles and Waltman. It was meant to be Shane and Shelly against Styles and Waltman, but both Shane and Shelly picked up injuries. That would have ruled. Um, so, yeah, Styles wins with the Styles Clash. Waltman sarcastically applauds AJ as they start getting into it, but Jerry Lynn returns and separates them. Well, he runs in the ring. <laughs> And then the video cuts. Yeah, then they go off the air. You're like, oh my god, Jerry Lynn's running. Oh. It's a big cliffhanger. He's separating them. It's like, my god. But like, he just, he doesn't even separate them. He just gets in the ring. He's like, hey, 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 over. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the three-way dance. <laughs> the famous TNA triple threat. <laughs> At Unbreakable 2005. If they actually did a Styles-Lynn-Waltman match, that match would probably rock. Yeah, I'd be into it. So the story obviously being, Lynn has extensive history with Waltman, he has extensive history with Styles, so he's the man in the middle. He's the man in the box. That's Tommy Dreamer, actually. <laughs> so July 8th, Impact. Terry Taylor has AJ Styles backstage, and AJ Styles is the world's most 2005 man. <laughs> you can't keep saying this. But you look at him, and he he's like the pink shirt with the collar popped. He's wearing one of those, like, leather wrist bracelet things. <laughs> Like, I have one of those around here somewhere. The shirt is half, like not even half tucked. It's slightly tucked in the front. It's like, he's the world's most 2005 man, Liam. I think it's a fit. I rate it. You, you dress like this, mostly because you probably have this outfit. You know, I don't have any pink shirts. Mm. It devastated me. I needed one the other week. And I didn't have one. What did you need one for? I was doing a Mean Girls showing. Ah. <laughs> and we were all going to wear pink. And then you realized you had no pink. No. So I wore a shirt that had like some pink on it and then I painted my nails. Nice. I don't think I have a that's, pink That's what people are here for. This oh, content. No, I have the Dolph Ziggler pink t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a pink t-shirt. Oh. Well, you are notoriously a show-off. Oh, no. <laughs> You're a hashtag heel. I am a hashtag heel. Can you put hashtag heel in your Twitter name now? Oh, no, I don't do twi- bit Twitter names. I'm, a, I'm a, an adult. It's true, I don't either. <laughs> they settled on playing the Impact theme underneath the promos, by the way. That works much better. Uh, Styles very awkwardly asks Larry Zbysko for a match with Waltman. Terrible promo. The man is so bad. <laughs> 
He's having a rough time. He's so bad. He can't even like get out a sentence and be like, I'd like to wrestle Sean Waltman at the pay-per-view without being like, oh. <laughs> and Larry's like, you got your match against Waltman, but... I think that's what you're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, just in case, Jerry Lynn will be the special referee. Can um, Jerry Lynn be unbiased is the question. Yeah, will he call it True down the middle? Rival of his, the Lightning Kid and Air Styles. Um, so, July 15th Impact main event, Team Canada defeated AJ Styles and Sean Waltman. Yeah, it, like, like, we had this, like, this is the match I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Where I said that, um, like, this match is fine. Mm-hmm. But I truly have nothing to say about it. Like, it's good in every technical way you could ask for a match to be good. But there's, n- like, nothing notable. <laughs> so tell me all about it. <laughs> I just did. Oh, well, great. There's also a recap uh, video before the match. Lynn had some comments talking about how, you know, you know, me and AJ, we went to war. Me and Waltman, we invented the X Division before there was the X Division. They also start using the pioneer of the X Division phrase about Jerry Lynn this month, which I think is the, the first time they start calling him that. AJ should be the pioneer. He was the first champ. But Lynn is like the X Division before there was X Division guy, even though that's also Waltman. <laughs> yeah, they should have a match for that title. Uh, so yeah, they, they have, a, as you said, a real perfectly good, competent TV main event. The story is Waltman styles are working really well together until Waltman accidentally smashed styles with a spin kick and in his shock left himself open for a northern larry at his root pinned Waltman. styles like what the hell man styles turn his, turns his back <laughs> again Walt- styles kind of a little bitch <laughs> and then he turns his back because he's stupid Waltman jumps him lin may comes out breaks him up which then does bring us to no surrender in which aj styles defeats sean Waltman with jerry lynn as special referee in a darn good match yeah they got there and they have a, a rocking little match and it's the, again it's like this is like one of the better pay-per-views in a minute because there's just three really good matches on it. Yeah, there's nothing like go out of your way match of the year high-end level. No. But there's like three or four just real good, solid, you will watch this match and you will damn well enjoy it kind of matches. You should probably watch Joe Saban if you're going to go out for anything. Yeah, that's the best match on the show. Then Styles, Waltman, Daniels, uh, PD, and Raven Abyss are all just real darn good matches. Also, the opening tag is pretty good. Yes, which we'll talk about in a moment. That doesn't exist because we haven't gotten to it yet on the show, you said. Oh, sorry. I was just clarifying it for people who are who might be uh, picking from the ma- from the pay-per-view. Mm. So this is where Tanae calls Lynn the pioneer of the X Division. Franchise interviews Lynn before the match, by the way. He's like, who are you, you going to favor? Come on. I know. I know you hate one of these guys more than the other. And he's like, no, I hate them equally. Like all my children. He's going to call it down the middle because he has pride and he, the best man will win. So real good match. Returning the favor because Styles blew up Alex Shelley's face with a spin kick. Waltman then blows up Styles' face with a spin kick. It rolled. Did you think there was a little about Alex Shelley? was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Waltman being like the the guy with Shelley and Shane would actually kind of rule. Oh, yeah, you will get a little Waltman Shelley later in the year. Ooh, as a treat. <laughs> Uh, Waltman hits a big senton off the top of the floor. Styles launches Waltman crotch first into the post. Waltman kicks out of the Styles Clash. Styles kicks out of the X Factor. Then after he misses a spiral tap. What scared the shit out of you? (laughs) I could hear something like moving. Okay. (laughs) I'm the only person in the house. And it was like... What was it? I look around. I look around. It's a box falling off my bed slowly. (laughs) I was looking around like, what the fuck is that? Uh... My heart rate just skyrocketed. Imagine if you were actually being robbed mid-podcast recording. That happened on the flagship. Oh, yeah. The guy was trying to break into Joe's house like mid, mid-flagship. Good good content. Oh, sorry. Let's retape it. Hey, get out of here. 
Well, guys, Liam's actually fighting off a not ah! villain. <laughs> That's how I fight. <laughs> Seems like he's getting the better of it. Ah, and you warn everyone else not to break into this establishment. I believe he did what Adam Cole did on that bowler show and he slapped his leg when he kicked the guy in the nuts. <laughs> I did. Ugh. Okay, I beat up the guy, we're safe. Cool. So Styles kicked out of the X-Factor after he missed the spiral tap. Waltman was frustrated. He tried to use a chair. Jerry Lynn stopped him. Waltman then got into it with Lynn. Styles was trying to get him in the Styles Clash. Waltman grabbed the ropes. Lynn kicked Waltman's arms, allowing Styles to hit the Styles Clash for the win. Then Waltman's like, hey man, you just cost me that match, Jerry Lynn. Yeah, that's a very nice way of, ha- of putting it. It's funny because he, he was doing like the sit on the mat point at Jerry Lynn. He was like the meme with the lady pointing at the cat. Yeah. Uh, and that's when we cut away. We, we will hear more about that in the next month. In fact, we may be approaching eventually one of your top 50 matches. Oh, I did put Lynn and Waltman on, didn't I? Yeah. Fun. Number 46. I think part of the novelty was the novelty of them wrestling again, but I'm excited to revisit that match because I think that match Do you want me to really read good. your review? Go for it. Is this 2017, Garrett, or did you re- rewrite these? I didn't rewrite them, but I did edit them, so I might have cut something. Like My entire process of editing that was not like rewriting. It's like, that sentence is unnecessary. Just cut that sentence. <laughs> Going back to a classic rivalry later is always risky business. Father time inevitably takes its toll. Not in this case, though, as Lynn and Waltman worked a really smart match that played to the experience as well as, as well as athleticism, accentuated by tremendous announcing, which helped provide ample historical context. Good blurb. Well done, Nailed Real it. fucking wordy in that one, huh? <laughs> it's, it's like 30 words. <laughs> I know, but you're, really, you're doing the, the Chris Jericho thesaurus bit. What, because I, I used the word words. ample? <laughs> Accentuated by tremendous announcing, which helped provide ample historical context. Damn right. Good sentence. Father time, capitalized. Real person. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have done that, I don't think. I think that would have been the FSM editor. <laughs> Maybe it was me. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just playing Rich. Yeah, it's Rich's fault. Rich capitalized it. How dare he? Yeah, Styles Waltman, real good match. We will see. I'll tear it down. That brings us over to the tag team division in which the main feud is little Team Canada versus Naturals and Lance Hoyt beef. Yeah. Okay. I don't really care about this mm. at all. Mm. But the one thing I do like was the Naturals saving Lance Hoyt. Why? Because like they have the Candido connection. Oh, yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of a nice little thing. They're obviously all in the, the same last Candido match. So, But don't they hate Lance Hoyt, then? You would think so. <laughs> July 1st Impact. Lance Hoyt faced Eric Young. This is still coming off the fact that uh, Lance Hoyt put Scott Demore on the shelf with a moonsault at Slammiversary. <laughs> what a visual that was. Yeah. Mike Tanae doing his spontaneous woo. Spontaneous Woo is my band. That's in one of the recap packages. It includes, I think they the, the recap of Slammiversary. I think it's on the first show of the month where it's like, Mike today is like, Woo! So <laughs> uh, Hoyt beats Eric Young with the big boot. Numbers game caught up with them. They accidentally played Kips James's music when Hoyt won, actually. Which I assume because it, it's uh, it, K and L are next to each other in the alphabet. So it's an alphabetized playlist. So it's like, oh no, we hit Kip James by accident. You think they would just structure it in like order of what they're going to play? You would think so. <laughs> I like the idea of like, all right, we've got a Mitch, uh, in the next match, it's going to be Abyss, but Larry Zabisco, who is put in first, is going to have Z, and we have to swap quickly and go from Z to A. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Damn it, I clicked Z, man, by accident. (laughs) 
<laughs> team Canada attacks the Naturals make the save. It sets up a TV main event, which is the Team Canada against the Naturals and the Lance Hoyt. With Jimmy Hart, not with the Naturals. The Naturals and the Lance Hoyt. <laughs> well, I said the Team Canada, so I committed to the bit by adding the to mm. Lance Hoyt, but then didn't for the Jimmy Hart. There's a lot going on there. And that's a perfectly acceptable TV main event that they basically run back on the pay-per-view. Yep. Hoyt pins Rude with Big Boot. Canadians attack after the match as they go off the air. The old TNA would have made the pay-per-view match a plunder match just to play off that and be different. Mm. But they have a plunder main event, so they showed restraint. Pay-per-view matches then. Team Canada versus Lance Hoyt and the Naturals. Franchise has the Naturals and Hoyt after the match. They're mad about all the whining and crying. Or before the match, sorry. They're mad about all the whining and crying. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they're mad about all the whining and crying that they're doing after they <laughs> lost the match. Yeah, they're mad about Team Canada. Jimmy brings the age and experience and the other guys bring the youth and enthusiasm and skill and athleticism. And if they want to bring the hockey stick, we'll have the megaphone. I guess. I'd probably rather the hockey stick in a fight. Would distance. you? Uh, yeah, I guess there is yeah. distance and I'm a short man so I need distance. Yeah, like a megaphone, you have to get all up in there, you know? Yeah. Though I'm also a short man and can fit in small gaps and then hit somebody with a megaphone. In what way do you think that's happening? <laughs> I can slip underneath people and then megaphone them. I don't know if you could. <laughs> Though you could use the megaphone as a distraction thing. So you could like shout really loud into the megaphone and be like, ow, my ears, then you bop them. <laughs> You're not in a cartoon. No, that's how it works. <laughs> I think I could just like ignore it. What if it's so loud, though? Your ears are like, eh! I guess. Maybe I would sell it huge. Who knows? But also, if, if you like kept the megaphone behind your back, right? Mm-hmm. As a surprise tactic. Yeah, the person didn't know. If they know you have it, you can prepare for it. But if you are like suddenly bring it out, you megaphone them in the face, they will be taken off guard. <laughs> All if right. You... In that very specific set of circumstances, I'll give it to you. Then you bop them. You bop them. You bop them and drop them. It's also harder to hide a hockey stick. It's bigger. I don't need to if I have a hockey stick. <laughs> Um, so it ends up backfiring anyway because Rude throws the hockey stick to Jimmy Hart and Jimmy's like oh my god he pretended he got hit by Jimmy and Jimmy was ejected and then Rude wins by hitting the Nationals with the megaphone allowing EY to pin Andy Douglas so what does that tell you about the effectiveness that the, the hockey stick was a good distraction tool but he won with the megaphone what if you flicked the megaphone into someone's face with the hockey stick that would be great you know what combining them this is the genius mm -hmm. this is why we're a team <laughs> We did it. Yes. Uh, there's more tag team stuff this month. Let's talk about Simon Diamond's return. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Simon has a problem. We already talked about the AMW against Simon Diamond and Triton match, which was entirely about Jeff Jarrett. Storm pinned Diamond after a super kick. Then on the go-home show, there was Simon Diamond and Triton versus Sonny Siaki and Triton? Apollo. Which was one of my favorite things, because they do this a lot. You'll see it in, in, on the go-home shows. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things. Yeah, but one of my favorite things is the fact that they never talk about these matches. <laughs> like, you'll see it a lot on, on this year of go-home show in particular, where there will always be a match that's just the match, and the announcers will talk about absolutely nothing but the match. They're just running down the pay-per-view lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Triton pins Apollo with the T3. Triton wins a wrestling match. Cool. Cool. This match was so good on TV. They were like Triton and uh, Simon Diamond against Asani, Asiaki, and Apollo. They tore it down. It rocked. Uh, we don't have Triton anymore. Let's replace him with David Young and do it again on the pay-per-view. And everyone was like, yes! Diamond does a promo before the match about how young. He just needs support and he needs guidance and then he'll be oh, good. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. How dare he! <laughs> He's the one who was guiding him! Yeah. <laughs> and then buried him! 
maybe he realized the error of his ways. He was like, during the NYC, I did nothing but say this guy is the root of every problem we've had. <laughs> he hated him and called him a big old loser the whole time. Yeah, it's just like, we lost the tag titles because of you and you've caused us to lose and, and we were doing really well until you showed up. I hate you so much I'm going to turn Irish. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, but now he's realized I just needed to give him support and it would have been fine. I I can't stand this. This is a toxic relationship. He's gaslighting poor David. He is. Uh, Young hit a spine buster on Siaki, but Siaki wasn't the legal man. Apollo followed with a TKO on Young to beat them. <sighs> Which does tell you that they won when he had Triton and they lost when he had David Young. So... <laughs> He just needs guidance. Uh, Trio K family drama time, Liam. Beware. <sighs> How are you feeling about this? Because I have two points. Oh, give me your points, because I have no points. <laughs> Point number one. Go for it. On one hand, this is really boring. Mm. Point number two. On the other hand, it is a, a, a true earnest attempt at long-term storytelling. Mm. Like, it's gone on for multiple pay-per-view cycles. We didn't get the payoff here. We're still going. Like, they're trying to do something that isn't just a one-cycle thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. This runs through the start of 2006. Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) Which you're right. It is a long-term story that goes on and on and on and on. What? It's like six more months. Yeah, it keeps going. How? how? You will find out. Hicken bottom. Meet us at the Alamo. Where does this where does the story start? There's a promo, right? Somewhere? Seven months ago. Um no. They did the in-ring thing, like with Tanay. What shows that on is my question. Is that the first one? Oh, it is the first one. Mike Tanay is sitting in an empty impact zone with Truth and Conan. There's an empty chair for BG, which is he went I was like, BG's not here. He no-showed. Yeah, Mike Tanay says like, he was given the invitation. He said, let's be honest here, he no-showed. Mm. Truth is like, I trust BG, whereas Conan is much more skeptical and dubious. Conan's like, I made a mistake at Slammiversary. I allowed my, my getting mad at the outlaw to cost us that match. <laughs> the Joutlaw, thank you. Oh yeah, he's only the, he's the Joutlaw only for a few more weeks as well. Uh, the Joutlaw does show up along with Monty Brown dressed as Beachy. It's pr- <laughs> they do a pretty good New Age Outlaws impression. I think they'd be a much better New Age Outlaws if it was Joutlaw and Monty. Yeah. Be uh, Conan and Truth are not amused. Uh, a brawl ensues that Monty and Joutlaw get the better of immediately. What was I'm trying to think? What was the like little rhyme that he did for Joutlaw? Uh, I don't remember. Damn, it was actually pretty good. I was very impressed by Monty's ability to remember all the shtick. Monty is better at BG shtick than BG is. Well, yeah, because BG sucks. <laughs> yeah, Monty does his catchphrase and then that's that. And they, yeah, they beat them all up, then they do it again. It's good stuff. I like that even after this segment, they were, like Mike Tanay was like, BG no-showed. It's like, well, they, did, they, did, they beat the other two up. There's a chance he was just beaten up. Mm. <laughs> that was proven not to be the case, but I was like, you really have no faith in one Bijels. Do you have any faith, faith in Bijizzle? Uh... No. So Mike Tanay's right. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, Terry Taylor has Monty Brown on the July 1st episode. Uh, he is the Rodney Dangerfield and Frank Sinatra of wrestling, he said. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Because I, the Sinatra part was because he'll do it my way. He sang the song. Not sure what the Rodney Dangerfield connection is. I'm not sure I know who Rodney Dangerfield is. Uh, tell me all about Rodney Dangerfield. I see you Googling. <laughs> 
Give me one second, I will. Let's see if it was cancelled. Wait, can you pick the animal you are when you're anonymous? No. Uh, on my screen, you're an anonymous liger. Liger! Like, Whoa, it's liger, he's here. <laughs> he finally showed up. He's in the Google Doc. On mine, you are a Garrett Kidney. That's because I'm logged in. Rodney Dangerfield. Mm-hmm was an American stand-up comedian, actor, screenwriter, and producer. He was known for his self-deprecating one-line humour, like you, his catchphrase, I don't get no respect, and his monologues on that theme. Cool. How does that relate to Monty? Uh, he don't get no respect. Oh, he did say that, didn't he? There you go, that does make sense. There we go. Look at us go. Let me see if he was cancelled. <laughs> I mean, surely. Personal life. That's what we're looking for. What the? What the damn. This guy maybe wasn't cancelled. Why are you sad about this? I don't know. Anyway, point of this promo. <laughs> Monty is mad that Abyss is getting a title shot before him, but he's used to the disrespect, and then he challenges K to meet him on the Serengeti in war. He's also interviewed the next week, where he's just like, they didn't answer my challenge. What the fuck? That's all there is to the promo. He's just like, I, I, I issued a, trio, a challenge to K. They didn't answer it, but I would like to pounce them, please. <laughs> said it so nicely. He's a very polite man. I like that they've realised that we, even if we don't have him wrestle, we should probably just let him talk for two minutes on every show. Yeah. Even if he has nothing to say, just yeah, give Monty a promo. He can work it out. And then Go Home Impact, there was meant to be a Conan and Killings versus Monty and Outlaw match. It never started because they started brawling until security separated them. And then Mike Tanay announced that the match has been rebooked for the pay-per-view, but this time it will be no disqualification. The classic, if they would like to brawl, we will turn them loose. And let them brawl. Which then does lead us to the pay-per-view in which there is a interview with Franchise before the match. And the outlaw announces that in honor of his pal BG, he will now go by Kip James. Where does the Kip come from? I don't know. Oh, his name's Kip Sop. It's his name. <laughs> yeah. Did him and BG get married? Wait, is his name, is his name Monty Sop? So where did the what's What's BG James? Well, it, can't be, it can't be Monty James. That'd be confusing. <laughs> that would be confusing. Oh, his name is Monty Kip Sop. There you go. That's where the Kip comes from. What a name. I, I, it's funny, it probably is the case that it's like, Monty? Monty James? It's like, no, he's teaming with Monty. He can't be Monty James. Kip James. He really did Colton and Austin a favour by giving them the names Colton and Austin. Mm, he knew they were wrestlers. It was fine. Yeah. They have the same picture on Wikipedia. Is it just them together or is it just a picture of one of them? It's it's both. It's just the same photo of them. And I. it's in the same spot on the page too. So I can click between both tabs and it stays completely still. I can't remember who's... I was on somebody's Wikipedia page and there was someone like... It was a grainy photo from like 10 years ago was their Wikipedia photo. It's like, you're doing that poor person a disservice. Mm. Did you know that Colton Sop mm. is the son of professional wrestler Monty Bill Gunn Sop? And his brother is Austin Austin Gunsop, who was also a professional wrestler. I, I I knew none of that. Yeah, fun fact for you. They should say that on AWTV AW more often. <laughs> they should use their shoot names. <laughs> yes, just so you know. Uh, they changed the name because WWE Legal was apparently giving them problems about the outlaw being too close to their trademark for the New Age Outlaws. What about the Joutlaw? <laughs> they should have went with Joutlaw. <laughs> We're doing perfect. Uh, Monty's like, there are no streets on the Serengeti, but this is a street fight. Monty, Monty, Monty promo. There's probably streets in the Serengeti. I've never been. There's probably dirt roads at the very least. Is that a street? Yeah. Does it have to be paved to be a street? Is that the reason we have different words for street and road? Or is that that's just like colloquialisms? I'm searching up streets in the Serengeti. <laughs> are there roads in the Serengeti? Well, there is roads, but like it would have to be paved to be a street. Roads are streets. But no, roads and streets are different things. Alright, are roads <laughs> streets? This is like hearkening back to the, the olden slack days of is a shed a building? Uh, yes, it is. It is. Uh, a road is anything that, that connects two points, while streets are public ways which have buildings on either side. So there is a Avenues, difference between a road and a street. Meanwhile, how, 
have the same attributes as streets, but run perpendicular to them, while a boulevard Ooh. is essentially a wide street with a median through the middle. Nice. We learn things on this show. Yeah, but that's that's because we don't know anything. <laughs> uh, Monty and Kip defeated Conan and Killings in a street fight. Also, a quick update. You only had eight Samoa Joe matches on that VOW article. What was the ninth that you accidentally counted twice? You've got to be kidding me. Episode 37, Slammiversary, June 2005, end of F- FSN, Jarrett Meltdown, Samoa Joe debut. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone's in street clothes, for, which for Monty meant he was wearing a leopard print shirt. Which I do believe he would wear, like, regularly. To a street fight? Yeah. He is the best dressed man at any street fight. <laughs> Even if you're getting your ass beat, you gotta look good. Uh, Kip is bleeding. Kip pulls Slick Johnson into a cookie sheet shot. Killings hits an axe kick, but then Kip pulls the other referee, which was Andrew Thomas, and throws him to the guardrail. And then Monty pounces Killings as BG watches on from the ramp as a third referee, Rudy Charles, comes out to count the pin. Mm-hmm. I like the little gimmick that's like, this is so wild and out of control that we're killing all the referees. Yeah, it's fun. Like, and honestly, this is kind of the best thing that these four could do. Yeah, they just brawled. One man bled. They hit each other with things. It was short. Fan got to keep a cookie sheet. Oh yeah, they stole it. I remember that. Yeah, he slid it under the rail with his little foot. I guess his regular sized foot. I don't think it was a little foot. <laughs> I mean, depends if he's a child or not, I guess. Uh, BG looks sad and conflicted. Kip does the like suck it setups. I got two words for you. Crowd says suck it. And no, he looks at BG and he says, my brother. Are you telling your brother to suck it? Maybe. Kip invites mm. BG into the ring. He gives him a chair to hit Ron Killings, but BG refuses. And the crowd actually boos when he doesn't hit Ron with the chair. Big Takeshita vibes from BG James. Who's better, BG or Takeshita? Guy who has only seen one Takeshita <laughs> segment. <laughs> I'm getting big Takeshita vibes from James. Let's round things out with a little America's Most Wanted. Yeah, a very little America's Most Wanted. Yeah, or is it a big America's Most Wanted? There's no way of knowing. Same with the foot. Uh, the June 24th impact, Michael Shane defeats James Storm in what is billed as the Battle of the Super Kick. There's something we should have talked about. Foxbox is gone. Time limits are gone. Oh, yeah. I was going to mention, that, like, I, when I was watching this show, I was like, what the fuck? Where is it? And then I was like, ah, oh, they're on the internet. Yeah, so they didn't keep all of, like, the presentation things. They dropped the Foxbox. They dropped the time limits. They dropped the judges. It's just a regular wrestling show now. Except they have, like, they kept the bottom scroll, but it looks a lot worse because it's not within something. Yeah, it's just rolling white text. It's straight up Ring of Honor home DVD release shit. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about them dropping all, like, the Foxbox time limit stuff? I don't mind dropping the time limits and stuff. Mm. I would I would have liked they ke- if they kept some of the visual aspects. Yeah, it's one of those things that I'm always like, every sport has an on-screen display with, like, scoreboard with people and all that, and teams. And I don't know why wrestling hasn't taken it. Do you remember the, like, one week that AEW had people's names with their gear colour on the screen? No. They did it for, like, one week And I was like, that's kind of cool and different, I guess. Mm. Like, it does take production effort, which might be why it falls by the wayside, because people... And also, wrestlers change their gear every three seconds, so... Yeah, and people just end up getting lazy and don't want to do it. But I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. One day, for the Patreon, we'll do, like, a year one AEW thing, and we'll relive all, like, the weird growing pain choices they were making in presentation. Listen, we'll just wait till next year and we'll do, like, the Rain Takers, but five-year anniversaries instead of ten. There you go. Easy said. God, that show... By the way, that show is so fucking weird. I've, I've rewatched that first Dynamite mm. since then. It feels like a different company. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, the, it takes a while for it to feel like the crazy Tony Khan frenetically paced Excalibur is not allowed breathe show. <laughs> which yeah. Is, which it, it became... I think coming out of the pandemic is kind of when it became that more than anything. Yeah, for sure. 
But like before that, it's like a normally paced show. It's very weird to watch those normal paced early dynamites that aren't like breathless. It's so it's it's interesting. Mm. That'll be a fun thing to do. I wonder if Tony ever goes back and watches those shows. It's like the good old days. And it was so young and full of potential. So this Shane and Storm match, Mike Tanae is like, this is the battle of the super kicks. And Donna's like, I was going to say that. <laughs> he should have said it then. Tracy crotched Storm, allowing Shane to hit a swinging neck breaker off the ropes. Harris went to handcuff Tracy. Harris decked Shane as he went to save Tracy, which I think makes him the baby face. But then the referee ejected <laughs> both Harris and Tracy. Tracy was at the top of the ramp then, asking Alex Shelley to come help. Hmm. How do you feel about the fact that they have replaced Frankie Kazarian in Shazarian with Alex Shelley? Sh- 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 <laughs> or just Shane. Shane. Sh- 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 <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> so you upset about the fact that they've just basically slotted him in Frankie's role? Well, like Shelley's better, so mm-hmm. I don't mind it that much. It doesn't have the the fun element of Tracy being Michael Shane's on-screen girlfriend and Frankie's off-screen girlfriend. Yeah, she has to start dating Shelly. Yeah, that would be that would that would bring it all together. Shelly then did did try to interfere, but Storm kicked him. Storm then turned into a Shane super kick as Shane pinned Storm. All right, I'm I'm gonna give Nelly a chance. <laughs> Why is it Nelly? Because it's N E from Shane. Why are you using the end of the words? <laughs> because they both have sh in them, so I'm taking that away. Okay. And it's Nelly with an I to incorporate Tracy, because unlike Shazarian, this is not a sexist team. Damn right. Uh, I thought a lot of the, the stuff toward the end of this match felt pretty clumsy. Like, they, they didn't get the interference timing of these spots particularly well nailed down. It was also just kind of a little off kilter. Mm. Yeah, because Tracy spent like a minute on the ramp trying to convince Shelly. It, it was all just very awkward. It wasn't very refined. I don't know. And like, why would, like, just do a segment earlier in the, sh- I guess you can't do it earlier in the show, but do like a backstage segment where like Tracy and Shane are like buddying it up with Shelly in some manner and then just do the run in. Yeah, because, yeah, well, the idea is she's banned from ringside, so she goes to get somebody else to interfere, but yeah, why Shelly? But like, you could have already set up the, the relationship before then. Yeah, you could have made it make sense. Make it make sense, Lee. Make it make sense. Let it play out. Mm. <laughs> That's my favorite Brian Alvarez quote of all time, by the way. Where we let it play out. Fuck me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Dan Gore filthy Tom clip. I watched that like a hundred times. Oh, if you want real scoops, go get a little Dan Gore on Twitter. And then his little smile. And the fact that they hold on him and Brian doesn't reply, so it's like it's just little smug smiles, like. <laughs> And then Brian's just, thanks for that, Tom. <laughs> July 1st Impact, AMW beat Simon Diamond and Triton. We covered that. And Styles beat Triton. Shelly. We covered that. And then July 15th Impact, Shane and Shelly were meant to face Waltman but they and were both Styles hurt. in the main event. Yeah, Michael Shane hyperextended his knee in the match with Storm, while Shelly suffered a broken nose in his match with Styles. So. They also probably really could have used that tag win. <laughs> It would have helped. And yeah, it's because Rude ended up getting the pin over Waltman. It would have been nice for Shane or Shelley to get that pin over Waltman. Yeah. Pay-per-view opening match, AMW versus Alex Shelley and Michael Shane. It's kind of good. Sorry, just Shane. Oh, he is just Shane now. Because once again, WWE have gotten mad about the name. So he is simply Shane. Which is funny. The last time he was reduced to a name, it was just Michael. <laughs> now it is just Shane. He will be Matt Bentley before long. Which, by the way, better, always better name. Because th- there was the weird arc where he was just Michael. Then he did that segment with Tracy and Dusty Rhodes where he's like, no, I'm Matt Bentley. Then he was Michael Shade again. Now he's Shane. Mm-hmm. And now he will be Matt Bentley again. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to have to think of a new name for Nelly. <laughs> oh no. 
yeah, great opening match. Well, great's probably strong, but like one of those, like it was what an opening match should be. Good energy, good enthusiasm. Storm does a wacky stage dive. <laughs> Storm goes out of his way for this match. It's just like a random opening match against two dudes in the X Division. He's like, what if I did a dive off the stage and then nearly hit my head off the steps? You know what it is? It's two people with pride in their work. Mm. Uh, Tracy throws her shoe to Shane he smashes Harris with it but Harris kicks out Tracy then throws her other shoe but Harris full Nelson Shane Shelly then does the float over thing in the ropes where he floats over Harris's back but he floats right into a James Storm super kick as AMW pick up the win but before they can even celebrate Shane cheap shots Storm with a super kick damn let's see how this develops further so the battle of the super kicks will continue <laughs> Shelly should start using his super kick as well <laughs> and Harris I don't think Harris would have the flexibility for a super kick I was going to say, Shelly does do the super kick. I guess just not at this point. Yeah. Or he's respectful of Shane and his partner's finish. i tell you what's, like, interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I know that it's not for a few more years or whatever, but, like, just having Shelly and Saban on the same shows, mm. doing completely separate things. Just hanging around. Every time you see one of them, you're like, where's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> they hanging out backstage? They buddies? They pals? I think oh, I think that's happening. They forming tag teams? <laughs> you discuss you discussing tag names? <laughs> Getting matching gear? Getting the best gear of your careers? Uh, they'll get there eventually. So that's July. Uh, solid month. Yeah, it's all right. I, like, not bad, and we've had enough bad months that I can take a regular sort of month. It was like if you were to look up standard pay-per-view build in the dictionary. You know what it was? It was if if there was a wrestling show that was made by AI. <laughs> I think if you were to build, like, a tutorial show... To, like, mm. demonstrate the basics of how to build a pay-per-view without actually doing, like, the caught angle and the big match. Yeah. I feel like this would be it. As, like, this is when you do this promo to set up this match, and this is how you do this angle to set up this match. And, like, this is almost, like, 101 wrestling uh, as a teaching course. I was gonna say, like, it could, it's, like, baby's first booking. Mm. And that maybe, like, that is something to do with the fact that we have a new booker. <laughs> yeah, so he's doing all the baby steps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pay-per-view is pretty good. Decent little show. Yeah, the pay-per-view had enough good matches on it that it that it actually worked out. We will be back in two weeks with the August 2005 episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me, the Sacrifice episode. Uh, we'll be back next Sacrifice. week with our next episode. Oh, they also announced Bound for Glory. Oh, they did. They put that in there somewhere. Yeah, you look through the notes and see if there's anything we missed. Oh, that was, that was off the dome. I wasn't even looking at the notes. I was getting ready to go to the My Drive. <laughs> There was multiple teasers and whatnot, but yeah, Bam Flory, October 23rd. It will be their Super Bowl, as they said at one stage. It will be their WrestleMania, as they said. <laughs> we'll be we back didn't. next week on Patreon, THR.com, Patreon.com, slash getting me with the next episode of our PWG show. We'll also, also have the Wrestling Dontaku episode of Rain Takers coming up in May as well. We're also, we're still kicking around that TEW show. It's still in the plans. We're just trying to work out, like, what mod to do, because the, there's, the Liam wants to do 2005, but there's not currently a good 2005 mod for TEW 2020. But it's it's being worked on. It is being worked on, but it's not very far along. Um, so we might think about doing like a 2016 mod, a TW 2016 mod. Oh, I don't even know if I have 2016 still downloaded. Or we can do something that we can brand split and fight. Hmm. We'll find. Uh, so give us suggestions, I guess. I guess it has to be TNA related. I don't think it has to. All right. It, whatever you want to see, let us know. What 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 do you want us to do for that TEW series? What do you want us to book? Let us know mm. at TNA History Pod on Twitter or in the Discord. What if they all tell you that they want the Joshi Pod? God damn it! Seventy dollar <laughs> tier. <laughs> oh, you heard you heard it right. Seventy dollar tier. Jumping bomb audio. No, we can't steal the name. Why not? <laughs> 
head to tnhi.com, patreon.com slash getting me to support the show and get all that extra bonus content. Follow us on Twitter at TNHistoryPod. Follow me on Twitter at GarrettKidney. Follow him on Twitter at TheGleetMuta. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. By the way, we have so many Patreon ideas. We should start doing some of them. There's a thousand of them. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a thousand hours in a day to do them in. But if you can, if you start going to the Patreon and paying us enough that we don't have to do anything else... We'll do all the fucking content. Just you wait. I like the way I already outroed your, like, one more plug. Yeah, I gotta get the shilling. I was like, hey, you want all the good stuff. We'll do it. Just pay us. <laughs> uh, we'll see you in well, two weeks for a sacrifice. One of us has a fulfilling job. So, you know, I guess you don't have to pay both of us. <laughs> Bye. Uh, whatever my outro is. Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.